0: Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago his words came to pass. AD 70. Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth the The revelation Revelation red pill the the kingdom kingdom of god God is is now for yours is the kingdom the the power and the glory now and forever amen welcome back to revelation red pill wednesdays we're your hosts leah and michelle we got the one the only jason heidinger in the house hi jason how's your day
1: been hello
2: been good it's been hot out here 105 degrees i think so you kidding yeah the heat index is at like 115 so
0: wow we need to cast satan out of oklahoma yeah no kidding i remember <laughs> i remember those i remember those this days. is not okay like i mean are you okay
2: <laughs> i'm enjoying the air-conditioned house for sure <laughs> That's
0: awesome.
3: i remember living in oklahoma and my, we, what we, we, my first year there, because if you guys don't know, Jason and I went to the same Bible college, like, not at the same many time. years apart. Um, I don't even know how old you are, Jason. I don't know if you're my age or younger or what.
0: I don't even know. His wife just had a birthday. Uh, um, oh, did you? Happy belated um, birthday to Cassie, who's absolutely beautiful.
2: Technically, so. at this point, I'm three years younger than you for oh. another eight days.
0: Okay. So <laughs> you're younger than Cassie?
2: By 16 days.
0: Sweet, so you're about to have a birthday? In eight days? Yeah. Oh, you
3: guys have birthday month then, huh? Well,
2: hers is technically in July.
3: Oh, okay. I picked on her for oh, okay. being older than me. For, okay. So
2: she's a, she's older than me by one year. Wow,
0: right. cougar. Oh. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, she's... Going going for those young ones oh my gosh you guys are hilarious so we went
3: to the same bible college and i we 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 both had to move he's from ohio i'm from ohio um the first summer we actually spent in california so i left at the end of may and we went to california and i came back in august and i literally thought to myself that first month back I don't understand how people migrated to Oklahoma and stayed here. Yeah. Because it was so hot. I couldn't understand the heat. Like my brain couldn't comprehend that kind of heat. Cuz it didn't even cool down at night. You know, yeah. like in Ohio, you, in Ohio it always cools down at night. It always has some some kind of relief. Yeah. But I remember like being in Oklahoma trying to take a nice evening stroll. Mm-mm. And it's still like eighty eight or ninety degrees, and you're right. just sweating, and it's like you can't so, find there's no shade. There's,
1: there's nowhere is totally to hide
0: unrelated to red pill stuff. It but is I'm gonna tell you, Jason, you have to remember the Ohio like this morning, I woke up and i'm I'm walking a dog early in the morning, and it's it feels like I'm on like the the West coast. It feels like California like breezy and nice and cool. And it's, I was like, wow, this is uh, this is really beautiful. And we get that regularly, and you do not.
2: Yeah, it's currently still 101 degrees, according to my little phone app.
0: And at it's 7, 7 o'clock, o'clock at your time. Yeah, so. I guarantee you it's not going to get below, like, 90 overnight. It's just not fun. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, we need to cast the devil out of it. It's global warming, really. It's Oklahoma warming. I think it's been that way for a long time. Okay, so, guys, What's last a, week we delved into these seven churches in Revelation. So you guys have been asking us, when are we going to get to the book of Revelation? And we have been the past few weeks. We've gotten into the book of Revelation. And I'm really excited about this because, Leah, what we did last week is we started with the first churches. I think it was Smyrna. Um, well, no, we're going to Smyrna tonight. It should, no, it shouldn't be Smyrna We tonight. did
2: Ephesus, Smyrna, okay. and Uh
0: You're right. Per- we're going to start tonight. The P, the P one. Pergamon. Yeah. Pergamon, last Pergamon. week. And tonight, we're going to do Laodicea. Sardis. Um, What are the other ones? Shoot. Philadelphia. Thyatira. Thyatira. Thyatira, however you want to say it. Now, what I found incredible last week is the stuff that we can extrapolate right now Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. Today, from these words that John is writing about those current churches then— But not in a way of this is prophecy that's about to be fulfilled right now, but rather the heart of man remains the same. The coming.
3: So, Jason, maybe you want to touch on that. You know, when we covered, maybe you could do your overview, maybe a little review from last week, what you kind of took away from it. Uh, When we were studying these churches, um, what I took away was that Jesus was talking through John to these seven churches, but representative of the church as a whole. And addressing specific things in each church. And if they address those things in each church, then they got, um, we, we cover, covered um, a, a white stone with your name on it. Yeah. Uh, and that could represent going to, um, oftentimes you would get a stone with your name on it to go to a feast. Well, at that time, um, the temple worship, whether it was Zeus or Artemis or the uh, Roman cult, the restaurants of the day, think of yourself going to, you know, Applebee's or O'Charlie's or whatever. Um, the restaurants of the day were usually places where you would eat the food that was sacrificed to these idols and to these deities that had penetrated uh, into the culture that much. So Applebee's would be like worshipping <laughs> Zeus,
1: right? And
3: in order to partake in society, basically, you had to worship Some some deity, some false god, and you know we talked about how um, you would be you would if you if you had a trade, if you were a blacksmith or um, a dyer of wool or whatever, they were you had to be part of a guild, a trade guild, and their meetings would be at these restaurants that served up food that had been offered up to idols and for christians they couldn't that you couldn't go you couldn't be part of that temple worship you couldn't eat with those people and often you would get kicked out of these trade guilds and you would lose your very livelihood and it was a it was it was very difficult to be a christian and so many christians many christians were making um deals with the devil basically if you hear the deeds of the Nicolaitans, or uh, talk about Jezebel, who has enticed you to not only just eat the food sacrificed to idols, but also to, to kind of partake in the sexual immorality that was that permeated the entire culture. It was part of the culture, it was part of the worship. And we see that right now today, in order to be part of today's culture, you have to worship uh, sex changes and, and the LGBT. You have to worship, you have to you know be part of it, like with the gay pride parade, you have to worship it. It's kind of like a religion. And Jesus was saying that if you don't stop compromising here in these areas, I'm going to, we're going to talk about Laodicea today, spew you out <laughs> of my mouth. I'm going to, um, take away, said, your, at you, you, take away your candlestick and come at you with my sword, the sword of my mouth. And just, and so these are, these are very heavy things that I don't hear most churches, uh, preaching from the pulpit, uh, and we're going to kind of cover the other churches. We do have one good church. Philadelphia gets a lot of praise in this one. So let's try to be like them. Jason, what were your <laughs> thoughts maybe from last week?
2: Well, when you look at, we went through three, but when you look at their letters, he's pointing out things that have been the standard that he's expected from the very beginning. Okay. He's expected us to live a faithful life, expected us to live a righteous life, to live a holy life. That was a standard all the way back. Why did he, you know, flood the earth? Because there was unrighteousness. He gave people time to repent. They say Noah spent almost 100 years building the ark.
1: Right.
2: And he was talking about repentance. So there's always been this call of repentance. Okay. And for people to overcome. So as we look at the seven churches, we can see, once again, it's literally Jesus laying out, hey, these are the issues. Let's repent. Let's fix these issues so we can be a holy nation. We can be a consecrated people before God. And so what it says, is basically, it's repent, clean up these things, repent, so that you are an overcomer. Repent, you are an overcomer. And so that's what he was even saying to the people in Noah's generation with Abraham. He's always been telling the people, this is the issues, clean it up. And that's something you see, that's the heart of the father. And even as a parent, what do I do? Hey, guys, you're missing it here. Let's get this right then we, you know, we overcome that issue and we go on and we move to the next thing and keep doing life. And that's what he's saying to the churches. Let's overcome so that we can be the faithful stewards of that holy nation that we're supposed to build.
0: That's really
3: good. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I think on that note, let, let's let dive in. You guys, I've been using um, kind of as a reference point for going over these churches, the Days of Vengeance by David Chilton. That is a free PDF you can find online, a free audio book on Podbean. And I highly recommend you guys get the book. And thanks to who? Our dear friend, Matt Thayer, uh, who also is Revelation Red Pill with his wife, Joy, over at Sparrow Pictures, S-P-E-R-O. So go check them out. Matt's got a lot of great things on his uh, Sparrow Pictures on uh, what I call the Revelation Red Pill. The, The timing of this is so important because, Jason, we're feeling a shaking. And I do believe that we are going we are going to go through a tribulation i think we're in the midst jason there are so many parallels to what happened to the church in revelation to what kind of what's happening right now it's a little bit eerie and i my i understand why christians can think that we would be living in in these last days the the problem with that as we're going to go over that is that this letter was written to people who were going through things like us and if the letter was written for the future how horrible is that because they they didn't have any hope he wasn't coming he wasn't he wasn't going to rescue them like he promised Jason, do you have anything to say on that before we start on attire? That was just kind of a thought that I had in, in well, trying to make the I was... parallels. I don't want people well, to Well, they think... always
2: say, history will repeat itself. Mm-hmm. If we don't understand our history, it will repeat itself. Yeah. And what we're seeing is a prophetic cycle.
3: Prophetic cycle. Of
2: de- generation after generation saying, no, this is the end times because we've we made this a future thing. It's not even history. People aren't looking at this going to history and say, hey, let's not do that let's not go around that mountain again. So I learned the lesson the same time because they, people say it all the time, but if you're God's trying to teach you something and you don't get it, he's going to give you similar circumstances, whether it's in relationships, whatever. And so we're sitting here saying, this is future. No, this is history. Let's learn from this. So we don't repeat it. So it's like history. And it was actually, I was listening to some talk shows I was driving today and they actually were bringing that up for the country. You know, if we don't remember the history of the country it will repeat some things that caused us to fall or to be great and the yeah. same thing this is a historical document that we're reading it was written to that generation and these things happened shortly after this was written yeah. and so we can see that tied to 70 ad but if we look at it as futuristic we're expecting this not realizing that we're just in a prophetic cycle yeah. that since i started learning about end times there's been you know, in the '40s, Hitler was the Antichrist, and then yeah. he had Saddam Hussein. Like, there's always been these yeah. antichrist and we're looking at these cycles of, oh, this is getting bad, not realizing we're prophesying our yeah. future instead of learning from our past.
0: That's good.
3: You know, I'm wow. gonna I'm gonna add to that because it's so good. Um, on the one hand, there are so many things that we can learn to not repeat, but I'm gonna say something about Revelation is. Let's learn so we can repeat. Because what Jesus came and did in the book of Revelation, he came, and and, and as we go through it, you'll see the martyrs in heaven prayed for Jesus to come. We want Jesus to come. We want him to come in justice. We want him to come in judgment. But what you're saying is, hey, there are some of these churches, we need to learn from their lessons because the, the Jews of the day They rejected Christ. They rejected the warning and the temple was destroyed and that it has never been rebuilt. We, you do not see the sacrifices happening anymore. Okay. So yeah, we need to learn and take heed when Jesus warns to take heed to that warning, you know? All right. So let's, uh, Jason, you're doing, you're, you, you're our good, uh, kind of resident, Bible (laughs) reader, could you read the uh, message to Thyatira, which is actually kind of long? Which chapter? Chapter 2, 18, I don't care what version, whatever you want to read it from.
2: uh, Since you had me read from the Passion Translation last week, I just brought that back out again. So starting with verse 18, Christ's letter to Thyatira. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Thyatira. For these are the words... Of the Son of God, whose eyes are blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished brass. I know all that you have done for me, your love and faith, your ministry, and steadfast perseverance. In fact, you know, in fact, you now excel in these virtues even more than at the first. But I have this against you: you are forgiving that woman Jezebel, mm. who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing seducing my loving servants. She is teaching that it is permissible to indulge, in, to indulge in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I have waited for her to repent from her vile immorality, but she willingly refuses to, refuses to do so. Now I will lay her low with terrible distress, along with all her adulterous partners, if they do not repent. And I will strike down her followers with a deadly plague. Then all the congregation will realize that I am the one who thoroughly searches the most secret thoughts in the innermost beings. I will give to each one what their works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who don't adhere to the teaching of Jezebel and, who, and have not initiated into deep satanic secrets, I say to you, without laying upon you any other burden, cling tightly to all that you have until I appear. To everyone who is victorious and continues to do my works, to the very end, I will give you authority over the nation. Come on! To shepherd them with a royal scepter, and the rebellious will be shattered as clay pots. Even as I have received authority from the presence of my father, I will give the morning star... To the one who experiences victory. So the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the spirit is presently saying to all the churches.
0: Do you have anything you want to say about anything that you just read there? Jason.
2: As I was reading the part about the sexual immorality and the the eating food, it kinda we've hit on it last week, different weeks, is that hyper grace. Mm. It's that's what i was just seeing. It's everything's permissible. Yeah. It even comes with the trans agenda. The you know the kids can do whatever. The I can't even think of what I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. The kids can transition and get right. hormone home therapy at four or five years old without parents' consent. It's all that becomes that's permissible, and they're teaching that that is acceptable because she is teaching that is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality. Yeah. So that was a teaching of Jezebel. So I just see the hyper grace, it's everything's permissible and they don't want to teach the message of holiness, repentance and consecration to the Lord where we have that reverence, that fear of the Lord.
0: Hmm. Wow. No, that's, that's so And I good. also want to add to this. We're going to get into Leah's going to get into the actual history of it, but for right now for today what I'm reading out of this and how this does apply to us right now. Is remember, Corey got that word to repent from porn or be destroyed. 40 days. Yes. That ends on August 13th. Like, I kid you not. This is real deal stuff, guys. And it says, I gave her space to repent yeah. of her fornication, and she repented not. Yeah. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then, uh, and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And Leah's probably going to get into this. But that space that he gave to repent, we're looking at, remember, Jesus came, he died, he rose again. AD 70 is a generation. And Jesus literally looks at these people and essentially he's telling them, I'm giving y'all a generation. I am giving you yeah. a space to repent, mm-hmm. but you would not. And so since we know what that space to repent is, though that that one generation, mm-hmm. then we also know who Jezebel is. Yeah,
3: no, that's really good. Yeah, just to dive in a little bit of the history. So Thyatira is a modern day, and you go ahead and bring it up so people can see. The modern day is Akhtishar, A-K-H-I-S-R. You can just put in modern day Thyatira. Give give people a map so they can kind of see it. (laughs) Uh, A city in the province of Asia on the boundary of uh, Lydia and Mesia has no illustrious history and is scarcely mentioned, actually, by ancient writers. It was founded by Seleucus, he was 311 to 280 BC, as a military outpost. Coinage suggests that, lying as it did on a great highway linking two river valleys, Thyatira was a garrison town for many centuries. Its ancient Anatolian deity was a warlike figure armed with a battle axe and mounted on a charger. Maybe you can Google that, Thyatira's um, uh, warlike deity there an old coin or two depicts a female deity wearing a battle minted crown can you look that up can you look up Thyatira deity warlike deity with a battle axe the city was a center of commerce and its records preserve references to more trade guilds than those listed for any other city more trade guilds than any other city Lydia, you guys know Lydia from the, uh, in Acts whom Paul met in Philippi. She was a Thyatiran seller, seller of purple is a big deal there. The product of the matter route. It is curious to find another woman, Jezebel actually nicknamed after the princess who by marriage sealed Ahab's trading partnership with the Phoenicians leading a party to compromise in the Thyatiran church. The necessity of membership in a trade guild, and we talked about this, invited Christians of Thyatira to compromise and open the door to many temptations. Thyatira played a significant role later in the history of the church. So shopkeepers or craftsmen risk loss of income by refusing to join guilds, whose meetings included, we talked about this, common meals. I'm actually reading from my... um, Archaeological Bible. I love this thing for for our Revelation Red Pill. It really brings a lot of things to the I'm forefront. I'm not getting
0: anything on that.
3: Okay, you're not seeing the thyatire warlike deity. No. Okay. Well, it's in it's in the Archaeological Bible here. Um, these temple restaurants and food sacrificed to idols. I'm actually going to read. There's a note there, and I think um, I'm going to read that while we're here. So, in the Archaeological Bible, it talks about these temple restaurants. We're going to Applebee's here. I'm going to read this note in, in my Bible. This is from the part of Corinthians. So, um, In many ancient cultures, people routinely sacrificed animals to their gods and then ate the meat. In the Greco-Roman world, temples would often contain dining areas in which groups of people could feast together. The temple of Aslipius in Corinth, for example, had three dining rooms. Each with a space for 11 guests, uh, and then they had couches lining the walls. It is uncertain whether these particular dining rooms were in use during Paul's day, but some such arrangement seems to have been behind Paul's discussion. We were talking in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. Corinth also included a temple to the goddess Demeter, uh, her, her daughter Kore. Was as as well as sanctuaries associated with Egyptian gods and Roman emperors. Although meals at these shrines were often more social occasions than religious ceremonies, no one could deny that there was a religious element there. So the presence of a Christian at a meal associated with such a pagan context was very repugnant to Paul. So excess meat from the temples may have found its way to the market. So Paul says, basically, if somebody has bought this meat that made it to the market, just don't ask, okay? But don't go to the pagan shrine. Don't go and eat the food sacrificed to these idols. So aspects of the emperor worship also affected nearly every guild. Uh, This situation likely contributed to Jezebel's appeal. This false prophetess claiming to offer the depths of Satan. It's very interesting. So in verse 24, but unto you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, this doctrine, um, it's very interesting, and David Chilton kind of referenced this, this, that in the temple worship, in the worship of other gods, Jason, I, I kind of see, I kind of think that we have to be careful even today, that we don't you know, I'm a, we're a conspiracy theorist that we go and we try to find what's, what kind of rabbit trails and where they lead. And we try to end up at the truth. But there are paths that you can go down, right, that lead to the depths of Satan in your search of truth. And you don't want to mix yourself up with, and I, I'm just going to call it out, a lot of the Q people, I love you guys, um, you got to make sure that you're not going down the path of
0: like kind of new age Aquarius, you know, Patriot gallery just did a blog on that last night. She did. And there is this kind
3: of new agey. Jason, are you kind of familiar sometimes with the, the, the new agey? Yeah. I think because you, you kind of got a little bit away from chiropractic because you were afraid that that might be some hidden knowledge, right?
2: Wasn't that some of the chiropractors definitely were getting into some interesting things, um, as I did that. So yeah, um, a lot of the things that are new, well, not a lot, some of the things that are new agey are just them. Like we talked about grounding on the kingdom mm-hmm. round table Monday night. Science is just proving and it tends to be the new ages, but guess what? When we work the land every day. We were didn't have to worry about and define grounding. It was just inherent in what we did
3: right right.
2: So most of the, there's some things that are completely out there, but some of the things that we put as new age are really just us getting if we got back to the land and lived as God designed, we wouldn't be calling we were just doing some of these things. So there's a like complete new age that's almost witchcrafty and satanic stuff. and then there's some of it that's really, science is proving what we've known just like you talked about two weeks ago we talked about eden when you work the land you get what dopamine and serotonin well why are they doing all these things why am i going out and walking on my little patch of grass that's in my urban land because i'm trying to reproduce what i would have had if i owned my own land and worked it every day so on the new age stuff there is some that's completely out there but a lot of it is the science is proving it and we're putting it as new age and we're staying so far, but it's actually what we should be doing our whole life. That's really good.
3: You know, that's really true. I think that I'm going to classify the new agey stuff as anything that, uh, pretends to take you down some sort of spiritual path that is not Christ. Uh, you know, I have a lot of, there's a lot of conservatives now like smoking mushrooms because it's going to take them down a, a special path of enlightenment. Don't go there. It's a bad path. Yeah, you know, and they're the special paths that any anything that is apart
0: from Christ. Can, we can sit. We can sit here on this for a second, and I know we want to get through all four churches tonight, mostly because I don't want to have to do part three when I do the thumbnails for next week. But um, <clears throat> I this is important. So Sherry says I get confused on the line between New Age stuff and God's ways. Frequencies and vibrations are two things like that. Yeah. Patriot Gallery says, it's anything without the depths of the Holy Spirit. When
4: words come to you from God, they're elegant, they're dignified, mm. they're strong. They're
0: I don't strong. know if they can hear you, so I'm going to repeat it. Saying, she says,
4: why, when they, words... It, oh, I just
0: know it's There's no Holy Spirit, there's no morality. There. Right. She says, when words come to you from the Holy Spirit, they are they are strong. And you know that that's... Essentially, she's saying, you know that something's the Holy Spirit, if something has the Holy Spirit with it. I would say this everything like this pen has a frequency okay and, 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 all, and all of that i'm not sure that it's necessary for us to go down that path i have not felt the conviction of the holy spirit i know that e- like essential oils have different frequencies to them and people will say oh we got to look at this frequency of this essential oil Frankly, I don't go down that path because I don't feel the Holy Spirit on it, but I do go down the path of using the essential oil because I feel the Holy Spirit on that. So I think that that for me, that's my personal line. I think when you talk about frequencies and things, I see that that leads down a path to Satanism. I've seen that. But then the actual thing itself isn't kind of like yoga. Well, I don't do yoga, okay. but I'm a former gymnast. I will stretch and I will do certain stretches and certain moves and things like that because I know they're good for my body. But when you then add that element of, I don't even think that Christian, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't even think that Christian yoga is of God because Christian yoga incorporates some sort of spiritualness and takes from these lessons of yoga. And I just think that-
3: Yeah, so like... But stretches
0: are really good for you.
3: Stretches are stretches, and I don't have a problem with that. But then yoga... I mean, when you look at... If you go to Hindu cultures, it is very demonic. And they are worshipping other dogs, gods. They have... uh, India is known as the land of innumerable gods. And worshipping other gods. And I would say that this... Yoga is the perfect example of foods offered to idols. Yeah. Okay. Don't practice it if you know it's yoga and they're doing spiritual, you know, mumbo jumbo. I want to hear what the chiropractor has to say about all this. But if you know, but if it's a stretch and you're just doing a stretch,
0: stretching is fantastic. Jason, what do you got?
2: Like the whole energy frequencies and all that. We, Everything's created and everything has a frequency. It's when we worship that instead of, creator so we start worshiping the frequency we start worshiping even essential oils supplements whatever is your thing
0: that's
2: good you make that the idol if you're sick and you've studied essential oils do you actually go to god first or do you initially go to i know these five oils work first Mm -hmm. that's where it becomes an idol
1: that's good and
2: understanding frequencies energies all that is not a problem i've done muscle testing And where you can actually have somebody hold an apple and amazing, they go strong and you have them hold a Twix bar and they go weak Mm. and that's using frequencies and testing and all that. It's when we make that our eye, when we exalt that above the Lord Jesus Christ, because it says, Jesus is the way, the truth, the light. So anybody that comes to him, if we put anything in between us and Jesus and we, that's an idol and we have to get it, whether we exalt our flesh above them and whether we exalt supplementation, chiropractic, the medical doctor, whatever it is, if we exalted above God, that's where the issue is. But okay. science and frequencies, science is proving what's been in the Bible the whole time that yeah. we are like, we're just articulating it in a different language. Cause you ever walk into the room and you immediately feel something that's an energy, that's a darkness. You know, the Bible talks about if there's light in there, if there's darkness and light comes. The darkness wants to leave. There's always in people, if you're around them, they always flee from you. Why?
1: Yeah.
2: They are feeling the light in you exactly. because of the darkness in them. But now they call it energies, frequencies, whatever it is. I could really care less the title, but there's light in me as a believer that is affecting the darkness in them. And mm. what we can call it frequencies, vibrations, but the title that science is putting on it doesn't matter. It's just getting back to the truth. That's, That's really so good.
3: You know, we had a question in the True Kingdom community, and it was from Stephanie. And she had asked, is it true that certain objects can hold you back or interfere you, fear with God's plan for you? And so the question, we went back and forth. I wanted to know what was she talking about? What what were the objects she was talking about? And she said um, she had thrown away many things uh, out over the years. Uh, or no, that was you. What, what did she say? I asked her what kind of things she had. She said... Um, Where was she? The crystals. So she got some crystals. So she crystals she bought at a shop near her house. Uh, They also offered Ricky training. Uh, And she said her mom was into Ricky and took classes as well as numerology. She still uh, goes to see the medical intuitives and believes that they have helped save her many times. Um, And she's on so much medication. She has a heart problem. So she didn't want her to have to, you know, to deal with that. And so she also said that when she was in... What country was she Because I'm trying to have a hard time following this. Um, her her son had given her back some of these crystals. And she... I can't find the, the exact comment here. But she had talked about going to... She was going to Thailand or the Philippines. And she had bought like a, a mask. of Kind of a, a scary looking mask and
0: some other... Objects. Stephanie's in the ch- in the chat right ahead, now. Stephanie, you Stephanie. You can... no, she's not. She's not commenting. I'm just saying. I was looking. At the yeah. same, same person. Yeah. So when, j- I guess Indonesia. In- she says Indonesia. Thank you. Okay. So I-, I had told her from what she told me from where
3: these things were bought. Uh, we actually have one of these um, places down in old
0: uh, Old Milford where we're at. They. Um, it's it's a it's called Enchanted Moments. Called, it is a witch's shop, and I just found out today that they're doing a witch day on like Saturday down in Old Milford in the streets. So they do,
3: um, they'll come out, they'll do palm readings for you, they'll do readings. They they sell the crystals. Um, I've been in shops where the crystals are are definitely associated with. These um, th- th- with, with with witchcraft, you can see that the little signs on it that you can see the little like a crystal is made of God, right? And so I said, for what you told me, uh, throw them out. I said the easiest way the devil gets a hold of people is through the occult and idol worship. Um, and so when she's got when you when you're pulling in things like the mask, I looked up the Indonesian masks. You can see that these masks were used in idol worship. So you wouldn't want to keep that mask in your house because they were also used in kind of some pretty satanic... It's, it's satanic. It's, it's, it's witchcraft. They're using witchcraft. And if you see God's whole creation is filled with gems and jewels and rubies and gold and things like that, but what happens is the devil takes and counterfeits things. Okay? So once you know that somebody... And oftentimes... Um, they, these people put, like, spells and curses over objects, especially, like, the crystals, and they Mm. do their... as, As Christians, we pray over people, we pray over things. The devil has a counterfeit, and they do witchcraft over objects, specifically. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of, if you Google, like, crystal witchcraft new age, you're gonna get a lot of people who use these, and they're trying... Guys, there is a definite... We were, talking, we were talking about this in um, verse 24, the, the depths of Satan. There is a power. There is a satanic power that you can tap into. Well, let
0: me, uh, we'll just break it down with this and then we can move on. It's like this, guys. When Peter and Paul and the disciples were laying hands on people, they didn't have anything that they were using, okay? Let me bring this crystal in. Now, there's a difference between utilizing the things that God literally gave us and created us as part of creation versus using it like- In In a spiritual ritual. The only thing that we see, and so this is as far as you get to go, is anointing people with oil. Yeah. Or taking a cloth that was prayed over- and then laying it on someone. In the Bible, that's as far as you get. And I don't think that you can reach that as far into like crystals and things like that. I don't. I don't. I just see. The Bible's very, very clear. You'll know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, y'all know the spiritual super new age weckos. And they you get a weird vibe about them because something ain't right. Well, and she had said
3: that she burned a book on earth magic. That's a good idea. Because... There, and, and here's the thing. This is biblical. In the book of Acts, this, there were many sorcerers. And they came in and they piled up all their sorcery. Yeah. They piled it up and they got rid of it. They burned their books. They burned their things. anytime. And it's... You know, we have uh, in the book of Acts, Simon the Sorcerer. He was doing miracles. He was doing witchcraft. He would probably was happy to use the, the crystals or whatever. And when he saw that through the laying out of hands the Holy Spirit was given and there was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, he said, Could you uh, could you give me that? <laughs> and he said, What did he say? What did they say, Jason? You can't buy it. You can't buy
2: it. Yeah, you can't buy
0: it. Gary, right, you got anything else to say on that before we move on, Jason?
2: Just on a silent sorcerer. If they're trying to profit to profit from these things, it's mm. probably not the Holy Ghost. That's a
0: good point. Um,
2: yeah. Because a lot of these things, it's a way to make a profit. Versus, if it's God, that's why they could when they went into the temple, silver and gold I have you not, but get up and they literally spoke to him um, when they went into the temple, silver and gold I have not, but what I get have you? is Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Yeah. And even yeah. Uh, so, that's what we give people. The world's going to have its knowledge base and all that, but we give them Jesus Christ. And even on uh, the one comment talking about just our thoughts and everything, the lower frequencies, that's why the Bible says, think on these things, what is good, honorable. When we literally think, without saying that raises your frequency, but when you think on those things, it actually changes your body and it allows your body to be in a place of ease, of health. Mm and of wholeness but when you're thinking on doom gloom and the world's going to end in fear mm-hmm. that does lower today we say that lowers your frequencies and it makes you susceptible to sickness the bible didn't lay that out it just says think on these things so that's if we good. do what the bible says we are raising our frequency we are fending off disease we are doing all these things because of doing what the bible says that's
0: awesome. really good one more comment here Um, Linda says, I think spirit filled Christians should go to family drag, drag shows and quietly pray in tongues, mass deliverance, anyone. Um, and she says, walk around the block to this, witch thing that they're going to do on Saturday and anoint the ground and take the land. Amen. Uh, Stephanie, the one we're talking about with these things, she says, I threw the crystals away. I haven't been able to find the mask and the drum in my garage. I will find it this weekend for sure because I want it out. <laughs> she says, yes, thank you all. I am cleaning and clearing out my house. That's awesome. Okay, I think that's very great. Good. I think that
3: that's fantastic. And then I would just anoint your garage with, with oil and be sure it's everything's out. Uh, and so the, the notion... Can I add one thing? On... Oh, go ahead. On that,
2: I went through phases. When I came out here to actually Bible school, I got rid of a ton of books that the Lord told me to get rid of. Okay. And so then, so it seems like every two to three years, I love, like me and Michelle were talking before um, the show. I love buying books, but there's like, God will be like, read these, and there'll be a season where he's like, get rid of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when I get rid of them, I literally ask him the question are these like trash get rid of, or can I go give them to Goodwill? Because there's some things that are God saying, it's not good for you, Jason. You don't need that. Yeah. But somebody else, another believer, they might need that business book or whatever it is I'm getting rid of. Yeah, where there's man. other ones are straight witchcraft that it's trash and that we need to get rid of. So you'll notice that in cycles in your life that he has you reading things. And I think it's as we mature, he'll move us into different books where he says you don't need to do that is what yeah. I've noticed in my life. So there's some things that they're not necessarily bad. And that's why certain things we don't need to make doctrines where you have to throw out every book that ever talked about prospering in business because mm-hmm, right. I was, because guess what? There might be a season where God's teaching you how to profit by being just a believer and yeah. trusting him and so, so some things aren't doctrinally based. It's what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. Yeah. And that's going to be our top check with all of this is what's the Holy Spirit saying to do with these different things. And so if someone hands you a crystal at Christmas or whatever, yeah okay, Lord, what do I do with this? yeah Okay. Because there's crystals that have never been in a satanic shop that are literally a gem from the earth, and people wear them on their fingers all the time. Well, what, and here's so the we thing. to be aware.
0: I so have exactly. crystal bowls upstairs, like crystal. Like there's a crystal factory, you know, for like big fancy crystal bowls. You know what I mean? Crystal is a thing, a a, a gem that God well, what did create. has happened yeah.
3: is that, you know, the satanists have taken that and, and, and channeled it, and so those things that have been channeled Get rid of yep. those things,
0: you know. Exactly. All right. metric gallery came down, so now you well, should be able something to hear Why more
4: it. funny to say. Before I do, we want to live by every word of God. Yeah. The Holy Spirit in us will give us words. They come from the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the words of the Holy Spirit have nothing to do with frequency. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even mention that word if you listen to the Holy Spirit. You're getting that. that uh, Eastern religions have been taken over yeah. United States of America since the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Christians have been weak. Well, now that I, I know, and I'm going to share that power with everybody else, the Word of God is power. Yeah. And when that comes out of you, you're going to see revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. You can say frequencies keep people healthy. That's all you're doing, keeping people healthy. Yeah. But they're never healed. Mm. Totally different. Because Eastern religions might keep somebody healthy. A man might live to 100, 110 in a um, Tibet or something. Yeah. You know, a monk. But they're they're never healed because they've never came face-to-face with the healer, Jesus Christ. That's really good. And so you might, you the science can tear everything apart and find out how everything works. Yep. But you're never going to heaven unless you see Jesus face-to-face or know him as your Savior. And you're yeah. healed by the very face of God, knowing he saved you, loved you, and you're filled with his power. Right. And so on my blog that I did yesterday, beware. Yeah. That you're falling into these mud, mud holes. It seems like you're taking a bath. <laughs> 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 but if it's from somewhere else, it's not from God within you. Yeah, You're being led down the wrong path. But um, the funny thing is, I'm upstairs, I'm laughing. When you mentioned the witchcraft. Because uh, what happened in the 60s and the 80s, all these Christians started protesting. All these Christians came out because we weren't in charge anymore. The bad guys really took over with abortion and prayer out of school and all this other stuff. Christians started rallying together, started having all these pro-life things. But before that, when they were in charge, they didn't do that. So witches are coming out in the streets because they're not, they're not, their power's gone. Oh, that's good. Uh, ah. Their power's gone. I'm thinking it's because Lee and Michelle have been walking Milford for 10 years. Right. With Flynn and <laughs> um, Nula. Oh, so yeah. you have yeah. been walking those streets for 10 years almost every day. Yeah. You have claimed We're flushing them out. they're trying to... Pro- they're protesting. And so when they're coming out, it's because these aren't... Or their spells aren't working
0: anymore. <laughs> That's really good. One last thing I want to address, because um, this is just my own personal stance. Um, Sherry asked... Or somebody asked about, what, uh, what about salt lamps? I, I have them all over my house. I feel... Why do I have them all over my house? Because I know that the frequencies in this cell phone and all of this electronic stuff is bad and the salt lamps help with that. It's like it's literally like grounding, Jason, we've been talking about that too. To me, it's just the ocean offers earthing, grounding, whatever you want to call it. Walking in a forest offers it and the pink Himalayan salt lamps do the same thing. So what I can't get when I'm out when I'm outside on the ground in the forest, by the ocean, by a fire, I can at least plug in the salt lamp and get a little bit of it. I don't find that satanic at all. That's my opinion though
2: and it's there's a place of it's called wisdom we know that we're bombarded with these artificial systems wi-fi electric all these things that are bombarding our system and there's wisdom of how to minimize the damage so our body can heal and one thing as your mom was talking patriot gallery was talking it's interesting the 10 leopards lepers they were all healed one came back was it one or two came back and he said now you're made whole oh when we come to Jesus and repent, we can be made whole. Where the world will offer healing, but wholeness only comes through Jesus.
3: Come on now! And See, that's a it. snippet. That's that's a that, that's that's all right. So, so let's good. get back to the target at hand. I, I you know sometimes these tangents are really important, and you guys. You guys have been asking us these questions and I actually love it because I think it's a really great engage- engagement. All right. So when we're reading here in the first couple verses, um, and talking about the son of God who hath eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are, are like are
0: fine brass. We're talking about Thyatira. First couple verses. You mean in... about
3: Thyatira. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: 18, so verses 19. 18 to 19.
3: Okay. So that, uh, David, uh, Chilton here says this passage should be compared with revelation 19, 12 through 13. I've got it up. It says, his eyes, this is Revelation 19, saying the same thing. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Then he says, verses 15 and 16. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it, he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And David here says, um, in, uh, this, this arrangement given verses 15, which is, and i blues in it here. I I have, like, no room on the the table here, so sometimes it's hard for me to... um, Well, studio isn't real life. Studio is not real life. I need a table studio, like a cool one with, like, the big thing. Uh, Verses 15, he says, uh, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. He says, uh, verse 15 explains the meaning of verse 13, which is how the blood came to be on the robe, which is, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, so it says that out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Um, and then it says to see some of these there, too, the point is not that no one knows what his name is for the text itself tells us his name, but rather that he is the only one who knows it in the sense of possessing it. No one knows his name. He is the only one who knows his own name, who has the name.
0: This is a very difficult scripture to try to put an image to, which is Please always hilarious. Don't. It's to me awful. When people try to depict the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. No. Um, they do and I, I just thought for fun I would bring this up for people. Oh. I've already Googled a lot of these in the past looking for It's not, things.
3: no. do no, that that's, it's not that kind of sword. I just No, <laughs> it's guys.
0: So great. It's so great. Uh, jason can't see him because i'm not screening.
3: oh okay him, okay you'll have like, to google sword out see. of his mouth it's okay hilarious. so one of the most significant things about thyatire was the dominance of the trade guild i guess he's talking about that too um so the local guard it was actually tyro minos which was the son of zeus and tyra monos maybe you could look up that guy um tyro monos Michelle was mixed in Thyatira with this worship of Caesar who had also proclaimed the incarnate son of to be the incarnate son of God. The conflict of Christianity and paganism in Thyatira was immediate and central. And so the first word of Christ to his church is the proclamation that he alone is the son of God and the only place in revelation where this specific designation of Christ is used. The letter to this church begins with an uncompromising challenge to paganism affirming definitively that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. So in verses 19 and 20, uh, when we're we're saying, I know your works, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience, and then I have a few things against you. He says... um, This
0: word isn't even coming up in in Google. Oh, interesting. Unless I'm spelling it wrong, so go back up.
3: Tyrimonos. Okay, there's
0: an extra. I think I've got an extra. That's what it is. Okay. Tyrimonos.
3: Yeah, there was much that could be commended in the church at Thyatira. It was active in love and faith and service and perseverance. In fact, its activity was increasing. Your deeds of late are greater than at first. But in spite of all your good works of the uh, in spite of all the good works of the church, its great defect in the eyes of Christ was its doctrinal and moral laxity. The Thyatirians were thus the opposite number of the doctrinally correct Ephesians. The elders were allowing false doctrines to have a place in the church. Christ again calls the heresy by a symbolic name, and he had before called it uh, the Nicolaitans and Balaam. This time, the cult is identified as Jezebel. We, we notice a theme here. We've got these churches who are going after cults, okay? And we have a church today that is compromised with, in the cult. Uh, the wicked queen of Israel, who during the 9th century BC, led the covenant people into an, adul- an idol- idolatrous and adulterous worship of pagan gods. Her actions are specifically called harlotries and witchcrafts. The Jezebel of the Thyatian church similarly advocated compromise with paganism. Of course, very pious sounding terminology would have accompanied this, perhaps to the effect that after all, there is only one God. So any worship rendered to false gods is really offered to the true God. Or that by joining pagans to their religious services, one might be able to witness for Christianity. Or that, you know, if we just go along with the heathen, um, we we can serve. Maybe we can wipe you know, maybe we can wipe out their paganism, wipe, you know, persuasion or something. Um, regardless of the rationale involved, the doctrine was heresy and it was not to be tolerated. That precise term used here is you tolerate this woman. Did anybody want to talk about the word tolerate that we hear today? Tolerance, Jason? Are Christians to be
2: tolerant? Not the way society is using it currently. Yeah. Um, because it's really tolerant means you accept all sin is really how I would say the society is defining it we're to introduce all people like all unbelievers we need to love the people so that we can actually share the gospel if we're you know how many people have really been saved by standing on the corner yelling over a megaphone turn and burn then people are running so there's a place where Jesus had relationship, even with the people that Jesus was there with what did they say you're you're having dinner with the tax collector, you're doing this. <clears throat> he was able to go in and change any environment he had and bring them into salvation a message of salvation pretty much everywhere he went, even if they were sinners, where we're saying tolerate and he always he went to woman adultery, what did he say? Go and sin no more. Yeah. He never said, I tolerate the sin that's destroying you and leaving you to hell. He loved the person enough to tell them, Your sin is leading you to hell. Now I forgive you, go and sin no more.
3: Yeah.
2: So that's what Jesus did that's different than the tolerance of today. He loved the person. Yeah. He tolerated them in their unbelief because they did not know him as Savior, but He always brought them to a place to go and sin no more.
3: Yeah, it's very interesting here because it says that she actually, she actually, she calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things offered to idols. Like she's leading them astray. And I have seen, and Jason, I know you've seen it. There is such a compromise in the American church, especially on sexual sin. It's, I mean- We've got um, even uh, Saddleback Church, biggest church in um, the Baptist denomination, actually just got kicked out of the Southern Baptist uh, Coalition, but not for this reason, which this should have been the reason, um, that they were making, you know, outreach to LGBT communities. You know, how can we, um, how can we integrate the LGBT community in the church and not how can we go in and get them set free? we have to be uncompromising. By telling people that they can come in and be Christians and live, um, you know, having sex outside of marriage, sleeping, I mean, this is a really big thing in our society today. It's, it's so commonplace that Christians live together, that Christians have sex outside of marriage. And it. I don't see how they can actually read, Revelation in your church and say, you know, commit fornication. Fornication is, is, is any sort of sin outside of sexual God's sin. covenant. Yeah. Any sort of sexual sin outside of God's covenant between a man and a woman. And we see that. And the Episcopalians, the Methodists, the, even some of the Presbyterians, you've got people actually ordaining, um, ministers who are actually, um, marrying same sex couple couples. And we have to make a stand and as a church. And what he's saying is that he's not going to tolerate that. You're not his, you're not, you're not a representative. You're not a representative. And and a lot of this theme in this, he's like, I'm going to take your candlestick away. You're not going to represent me. You, you can say that you're a representative of Christ and call yourself a Christian, but you're not, you're not, you're not. If you are tolerating these deeds and that, and and I know it kind of sounds kind of, bible to say the sins of jezebel and fornication and idolatry um
0: but we have to bring it down to just everyday things let me explain something to y'all tolerating and loving someone and telling them that you are in sin but i love you and i'm praying for you are two different things tolerating is accepting it. Yes, I will come to your wedding. I'm praising your marriage. I love that you're a couple. You guys make a great couple. That's tolerating, okay? Yes, of course you can be in the church. God doesn't see anything wrong with what you're doing. This is the doctrines of the Nicolaitans that we talked about last week. It's the doctrines of Balaam, and it is the spirit of Jezebel. And all we have to do is draw that that line. It's very simple. We love you, we're praying for you, you're in sin. I just had a conversation with a neighbor slash client two days ago about this and their church is bringing in all the LGBTQ community. And I said this to her and she actually lands on the side of tolerance, but I don't care because I, I I will love her. I said, I will love all of these people, but it's to but to me, I can't go along with it. It's sin. And so you guys tolerating me is saying, you know what? I understand that you have to hold to your beliefs. Okay, but they don't actually do that. They do not tolerate us at all. And in fact, not only do they not tolerate us, but they don't even love us through it. Yeah,
3: and verse 21 through 23 says, Christ has given Jezebel space to repent. All of her fornication, but she has refused. We have to emphasize again that this term is used both in the literal and symbolic sense in scripture. Apparently, Jezebel had actually encouraged God's people to commit Physical fornication in connection with the religious rights of the trade guilds. On the other hand, the, the, the word um, fornication has a long biblical history as a symbol of rebellion against the true God. By those who belong to him. So we've already noted the symbolic symbolic aspects of idolatrous eating and fornication. It's important to recognize that John describes the great harlot of Babylon, identifying with apostate Judaism. So as the Jews, the Jews that you'll see in Revelation who had turned their back on on Christ were actually considered a, to be a harlot, um, with a very clear reference to the biblical story of Jezebel, the queen harlot. Uh, this again confirms the interpretations that the doctrines of the Nicolaitans, the ba- the the Balaamites, and the Jezebelites were all the same, and that they were connected with the false Israel, which was the synagogue of Satan. So Jezebel had to be punished. And in a play on words, the Lord declares, "Behold, I will cast her into a bed." I. God ain't no God ain't playing. God <laughs> is literally the king of of coming at you with with um, what you're doing. okay, you want to be in bed? I'm gonna cast you in a bed. You want to be in bed? I'm gonna cast her into a bed. this is this is the kind of Christy I want to hear. this is what this is what I want for preachers to preach. okay, you know what? you're gonna do this. Okay, here we go. I'm going to cast her into a bed. He doesn't say that to anybody else. That bed is a specific reference to sleeping with people outside of marriage, having sex outside of marriage. You want to be? Okay, I'm going to cast you into a bed. And as many of the modern translations point out, it is a sick bed explained by the next clause. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation with grim humor, Jesus is mocking her. He is saying, do you want to get into bed, i.e. commit fornication? Very well then. Here's a deathbed for you. Let us note carefully too that this first century judgment against the followers of Jezebel is spoken of in terms of the great tribulation. Every biblical indication regarding the great tribulation leads to the plain conclusion that it took place during the generation after Christ's death and resurrection, just as he said it word. And I will kill her children, i.e. her followers, with death is in our ears, a strange way of putting it. But this is a common Hebrew means of emphasis known as pleno plenosa. How would you say that? Play play nasum, play, nasum, A linguistic double witness to the certainty of the fulfillment. So in Genesis 2.17 it says, dying you shall die. So what happens when apostates are disciplined and judged? All the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. That's what we're seeing. Like, this is incense. I will cast her into bed and with them that commit adultery into her great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. Kill them with death. It's a double thing. And all the churches will know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every man according to your works. Jason, what say you?
2: I think it comes to the word corrugate. There's a reason God said you have 40 days to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the window we're in from, I think, Michelle, you gave a word on July 4th. And then Corey gave his word. And the timeline ends on August 13th. And there is a time that he's calling us to really repent of the sins of Jezebel, which is sexual perversion. You could, it's, you know, we talked about pornography, but it literally talks about Jezebel and all the sexual perversion. We are in that window of repentance. And if we don't clean up the pulpits, if we don't clean up our own lives, but I know for me, there's a part that he's been highlighting the pulpits. If we don't don't clean up the pulpits, they're going to be doubly judged. They're held to a higher standard. And this is the call till August 13th, that 40 day window, that we need the repentance of the body of Christ for the sexual perversion that's been allowed, the adultery of Jezebel in the church to get it cleaned out otherwise we are going to start seeing those things start to happen happen in august.
3: Yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. I, Michelle, maybe you can have I'm having Jason I I'm I'm reading this. And I understand that there that I, people who didn't walk in love have preached a fire and brimstone gospel and it seems very hateful and sometimes you see a lot of those guys walking around like turn or burn type deals um you know you notice that this is written to the church who knew better right this is not going necessarily going out into the whole world and saying unless you repent i'm going to punish you this is this is the church that that he's talking to if you don't repent of this I'm. I'm actually gonna kill you. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm we're, you're dying, you and your kids. I'm, I'm. I'm literally gonna kill you. Like this is intense. And we've seen. We saw this happen with Peter. So Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. They. They said that they sold a piece of land and they said they were bringing all the proceeds. They didn't have to bring all the proceeds. They, it was the fact they, that they, they lied. lied to the Holy Spirit that they had brought all the proceeds. And the husband comes in and Peter's like, Are you sure you want to? You want? Are you sure? You gave? Are you sure you saw the money? He, you know that this is what you're doing, and uh, boom, he dies. His wife comes in, appears like, you better watch out what you say. Yeah, it's all the money. Boom, she dies. and eyes and fire, gone, dead. Like, I, I think we serve a different God than has is preached in in churches today. I just don't see anybody. There's a God of
0: tolerance that is
3: preached. Well, I don't see the God, even if you, I even the people who are quite intolerant of LGBT, I don't see them saying, behold, I'm going to, I'm going to mocking her, by the way, in a joke. You want to sleep around? Okay. I'm going to actually put you into uh, a great tribulation and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you and your kids. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like they don't even, that scripture is like, you know what? we're just not gonna read it we're just not gonna read it we're gonna pretend it's not there that's too Old Testament talk Let's I just... feel like we're just gonna shut that door turn around slowly walk away that was a verse we're just gonna you know what we're gonna read it real fast
0: <laughs> what, what do you think Jason <laughs> read it real fast and move on
2: <laughs> oh there's so many thoughts I have <laughs>
3: you know what i'm talking about when you don't understand something they just read it real fast and move on i've seen
0: you do that (laughs) i've just seen you do that actually we're just gonna keep reading past that no honestly guys this is what i think we are headed for a time and it's not actually laughable god's been speaking to leah and i about this for two years now and we've been telling you on the show This judgment is coming. And I say this all the time. Abraham Lincoln says, I tremble to think that we serve a God that is just and his justice does not sleep forever. And we are in that moment where God's justice is waking up Mm -hmm. and he has given a space and a time to repent that has not just been this 40 day window. As a matter of fact, it's been for three or four years leading up to COVID and then through COVID, we have had a time to repent. And a lot of people have, Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people move out to the country They've switched jobs. They've started homeschooling their kids. They are, their whole lives have been just completely turned around because of what happened. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people have turned and repent, but I've been saying this. A tsunami is coming. This river is, Lee and I had this one time on our show, we were prophesying. We prophesied that there is a river that is rushing and it is coming and there is a boat and you must get on this spiritual boat of safety because if you do not, you are going to be caught up in this judgment that God is bringing specifically on the church And in this hour, it is coming on non-Christians as well because God is going to put, his justice has been stayed. And I got this word this week that was in correlation again with one of you guys, whether it was Corey or, or Serge or Rob or you, Jason, I don't remember. But this time right now, this justice is, is about to wake up and God's hand has been stayed for as long as it possibly could to get as give as many people as he possibly can a chance to repent because God is gracious and he is loving and he is kind. He gave these people 40 dagum years after Jesus died. I've been like four years, you get four years. Okay. God gave them 10 times <laughs> that because God is gracious. But right now, Guys, we're looking at, like, 150 years. Well, we were just talking to Scott Kesterson, and he said he has a friend of his who is a
3: really great, you know, patriot and calls himself a Christian, but he had put in one of his chats, you know, if some guy goes overseas and finds a prostitute, I don't have a problem with that. I got a problem with that. (laughs) God (laughs) has a problem with that. I think God has a problem with that. And I don't see, Jason, I just don't see preachers. I don't see pre. I always, every time I think about preachers, I think of guideposts and Reader's Digest. Like, that's the sermons you get. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're like, let's go hear the, the fun story about how this stranger was an angel. Chicken you know. soup for the Christian soul. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I could see that. That, that. That's a one interesting way to look at it. And right. so, totally, the message we're trying to give everybody the milk of the word when after some people, you know, we need to be on the meat.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We need to be cleaning up as my kids have grown. And I, God shows me so many things of his nature through being a parent. Um, and that's maybe just how he's taught me, but there's things that I tolerated when my kids were three of throwing food on the ground and different things that I don't tolerate at 17.
0: Oh, that's good.
2: There's even things at 10 that my daughter can get away with that my 15 and 17-year-olds can't. Mm -hmm. Because there's a level of maturity that we need to walk in as believers. Yeah. In the physical, we grow up and mature. In the spirit, we're to grow up and mature. Paul went back to churches after three years and said, how are we still on the milk of the word? We've had people in churches on the milk of the word for 30 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And we need to be teaching the meat of the word, but we're always teaching milk because we are not. Sometimes it's the belief of the, the people in charge. They, they believe that people just aren't capable of handling. It. So they basically create toddlers in adult bodies.
3: Wow. Yeah. Wow. But That's we so have true.
2: to grow up as believers, mature, and leave our childish ways. Mm-hmm. We need to have childlike faith, but there's childish ways that we should not walk in as mature believers. Yeah. And that's things I want my kids. I want them to act respectful, to have honor, to say thank you, to open a door, to do these Mm -hmm. things. These are things that I teach my kids that we don't even do in the church.
4: Yeah.
3: Wow. No, that's so true. You know, uh, apparently a central part of Jezebel's heresy involved a search into these deep things of Satan, as they call them, uh, connecting Uh, This is what we already know of her teaching. It seems that her doctrine was this kind of Gnostic teaching that Christians could obtain a new and greater level of sanctification and immersion into the depths of Satanism. Worshiping idols, committing fornication, entering into the fullest extent into their depravities of the heathens around them, uh, sinning that grace actually might abound. And I see that we saw that with our um, Congresswoman uh, Nancy Mace. You guys didn't see that clip. The fact that such activity could be both sensually satisfying and economically profitable would not, of course, have been overlooked. But there was more to it than this. Jezebel's doctrine of sanctification through idolatry and fornication was simply a slightly Christianized version of the most, most ancient heresy in the world. And the one that has been manifested in every culture from the beginning, salvation through like chaos. So Eve saw chaos, anarchy and revolution as the key to wisdom and to the attainment of this divine status. The original adulteress had has had many followers chaos as revitalization has a long and continued history in western civilization and with the french revolution it gained a new vitality as revolution and sexual chaos became the means to social regeneration we saw that in the past 100 years free yourself free yourself who who is these funny Christians telling you you can't do this you can't do that in the world of art we've seen this like crazy art creative artists came to be identified as the necessity with a social and sexual anarchist we've seen that with uh maria uh abramovich, abramovich you know uh, we've got that with Aleister crowley do as thou wilt. this this sexual anarchy meaning they you need to go into these depths of things uh in order to be free and to have the the most freeing part of humanity and uh morality came to mean just like kind of monotony and the middle-aged fling and sexual license came into being as a grasping after renewal. You've got um, you've got prostitutes came to be used as a change of luck device and a, and a special sin against order as a means of recharging luck and power. Basic to all of these manifestations from ancient Egypt through Caesar to modern man is one common hope. Destroy order to create fresh, or even more bluntly, destroy order to create order. But Christ says there are faithful. Here we got some good news. You ready hear some good news? But you know what? In the midst of your crazy sleeping around and, and, and all that, you've got some faithful Christians in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, who have not sought after for, uh, forbidden knowledge and satanic pra- practices, despite the economic and social consequences of their refusal, which is where you guys are at right now. Yeah. He says, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And his he did come in that generation. This, again, reflects the language of Jerusalem Council's letter to the Gentile converts. For it seems good to the Holy Spirit to lay uh, upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed from I- idols. Sacrifice to all idols and from fornication. And if you keep yourselves free from these things, you will do well. So the faithful uh, are to continue practicing the essentials of the faith, holding to orthodox standards. So you've got the faithful Christians in Thyatira who were suffering from both the heathen world outside and the compromising heretics within the church. They probably were tempted to doubt whether they would ever win in this struggle. The most uh, prosperous and successful Christians were the ones who were the most faithless to Christ. It looked as if the Orthodox were fighting a losing battle. They were so powerless by now that they were unable to even oust the apostates from the church. They wow. were so powerless. They couldn't even get the Jezebels who were telling people not to have sex and and, and do all these crazy. They couldn't even get them out of their church. Yet Christ promises that the, the, the leader of that church, this is key, he who overcomes, And he who keeps my deeds until the end. I'm coming in this generation. To him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter are broken in pieces, as also I have received from my father. This is where we're at right now, Jason. If we overcome, if we out these things out, if we, this is why we want to get people out of the world, because then you get to rule, and it says he will rule them with a rod of iron. That's us. He says, as I have done. As, they, as vessels of a potter are broken in pieces, you can destroy the evil around you with the word of your mouth, okay? This is a reference to the Father's promise to the Son as recorded in Psalm 289. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession and you will break them with a rod of iron and thou shalt shatter them like earthenware. We are seeing the the the, the, the um, fulfillment of the Old Testament with the New Testament. It's is one of my favorite things to see is this prophetic word. So God, the son has been granted to rule the world and all the nations will come under his messianic kingship. Whatever opposition is offered against his kingdom will be crushed. Absolutely. And we need to crush these doctrines of demons under our own feet. And how do we do that with the word, the sword that comes out of Christ's mouth? Okay. And, And it's actually, you should see words coming out of his mouth and the installation of Christ as a universal king prophesied in this passage clearly took place at Christ's first, coming The point of the quotation here is that Christian overcomers in this age are promised to share in the messianic reign of Jesus Christ in time and on earth. And in spite of the opposition, God has set up his king over the nations. Those who are obedient to his commands will rule the world, reconciling the world, reconstructing it for his glory in the terms of his laws. Psalm 2 shows God laughing and sneering at the pitiful attempts of the wicked to fight against and overthrow his kingdom. He has already given his son all authority in heaven and earth and the king in his is with his church until the end of the age is it possible that the king will be defeated he has in fact warned all earthly rulers to submit to his government or perish and the same is true of his church the nation that will not serve him will perish isaiah 60 12 all the peoples of the earth will be subdued under our feet psalm 47 1 through 3 promises made Originally to Israel, but now fulfilled in the New Testament, the church. For the persecuted and seemingly weak church in Thyatira, this was good news. At the time, they were at the mercy of the powerful economic and political power. This this state worship, what we're seeing with the LGBTQ, I know it seems like it's increasing. Even their fellow Christians were being seduced by false prophets and heretics. This is what we're seeing right now. To be be a faithful Christian in America or Thyatira meant hardship and suffering and not necessarily a very glorious headline-making sort of suffering either. Just the day-to-day grind of faithfulness to Christ's words. Just the fact of being unemployed for not taking the jab or not going along with DEI, diversity, equity, and conclusion training. And unemployable in the midst of a booming economy. You could make a ton of money anywhere. can make a ton of money in America right now when everyone around them could get work for a mere uh price of burning a little incense eating a little meat from a pagan altar and engaging in a little harmless sex between consenting adults there was no opportunity for a great moral crusade everyone just thought you were weird and night after night your children would cry for food no, this kind of martyrdom was not, a very, not very glamorous at all, but those who remained faithful were promised that they would overcome, that they would rule with Christ. The situation would be reversed. The tables were about to be turned. Christ was coming to save and to judge, and the sufferings of these Christians did not mean the end of the world, but rather the beginning. What may have seemed like the approach of a long, dark night was really the herald of Christ's triumph over the nations. The conflicts they experienced were not a sign of Christ's defeat by the world, but simply the uh, assurance that the battle had finally been joined and the inspired prophecy of psalm 2 guaranteed that their lord would be victorious and they with him it was paganism the state worship, this Judaism, were about to enter into darkness as Christ turned on the lights around all the world and across the apostate Israel and the Roman Empire. But for Christians, the night was just ending, and the redeemed and liberated universe was rushing headlong into a bright day. And Christ was going to be their bright and morning star. He says, "And I will give them the morning star. I will give you. I'm going to." And that that morning star is when night is over. And the day is dawning. And so I would say to you, church, hold tight, Thyatira. He's coming. What
0: do you got, Jason?
2: Not much to add to that. Uh, I just want to add a little bit on Jezebel. The note here in the Passion Translation says, Jezebel, King Ahab's wicked queen, was immoral and practiced idolatry. She, She released into to Israel, a spirit of darkness that hindered God's faithful ones from attempting by attempting a mixture of worship of Baal with the worship of the true God. Mm. She became a symbol of a spirit of tolerance and compromise, which teaches that God's loving servants can sin and not experience any consequence. Mm. It's funny, the part that stands out is Jezebel brought mixture, mm. and that's where we're not to have mixture in our lives, it's God alone. Mm. Because he is a jealous God, and he desires our whole heart, that we crucify everything that is not of him and live fully from him, just as my wife expects my complete complete life to be hers, to become one. And that's what God wants with us. But too many people think that it's acceptable to not just have one when you're married, that it's all right to have all this other junk. And we do that with God, but it's really God alone. We can't have mixture in our relationship Come with on. God. We can't have mixture yeah. in our marriages. And what Jezebel brought was mixture. She brought mm-hmm. perversion.
0: Boom. That's so you good. see that with like, you know, God in the Bible, he doesn't do that in mixture stuff. Your 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 metals are tainted because yeah. you're mixing the different metals. You see that. That's an excellent, excellent point. I want to read a couple comments before. Are we going to move on to the second Sardis.
3: church? Sardis.
0: Patriot Gallery says, sexual perversion compromises... Um, I think everyone, but especially the government, because they can be blackmailed. Evil men break down society to weaken society morally and to control and overthrow the government. The people, um, have, needs to write itself, has the right to self-government. Stephanie says, I dreamt the other night that the word was my actual food. That oh. is a dream from God right there. Dorothy says, that's right. My friend and I talked all about this because we don't go along with the Barbie movies and all the other garbage. Mm. We will be rejected. I'm okay with that as I don't want to be around this nonsense. Mm. Well said. And Bella says, yes, Leah, read that word. Such passion in the teaching. So good. All and right. Wait, one oh. more comment. Okay. I'm in charge of comments. Okay. Sherry says, yes, Jason, alone. Um, encompasses so much. Thank you for speaking such truth. Minkle so- says it's time for these promises to be fulfilled visibly. But of course, I've thought that Jesus was coming back since 1984. I get, I totally get.
3: That. <laughs> I love that. All right, Jason, could you read uh, the uh, the message to Sardis?
2: Yes, uh, Christ's letter to Sardis. This is beginning in Revelation 3. Write the following to the messengers of the congregation in Sardis. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know all that you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive, but you're actually dead. Wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies. For I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of God. So remember all the things you received and heard. Then turn back to God and obey them. For if you continue to slumber, I will come to you like a thief. And you'll have no idea at what hour I will come. Yet there are still a few in Sardis who have remained pure, and they will walk in fellowship with me in the brilliant light, for they will for they are worthy. And the ones who experience victory will be dressed in white robes, and I will never no never erase their name from the book of life. I will acknowledge your name before my Father and his angels. So the one whose heart is open. Let him listen carefully to what the spirit is now saying to all the churches. Amen. Mm-hmm.
3: All right. So Sardis, um, uh, modern, modern day Sart, the capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia was a city of great wealth and fame. It's Acropolis, a natural citadel on the Northern spur of Mount, uh, Tumulus. Uh, and maybe you could bring up a, a picture of that. Cause, oh yeah, it's really cool for people to see. Um, rose 1500 feet above the lower valley sardis was full of sophisticated paganism the lack of mention of persecution probably reflects the secure position of its jewish community jesus's followers evidently coexisted peacefully with the synagogue community and city establishment unaccustomed to opposition they had grown comfortable in their relationship with the world their spiritual state deadness prevented them from realizing that Jesus resurrection power was available to them and we've talked about the seven spirits of god we did a whole show on that so please go and reference that um talking about the different aspects in the nature of the holy spirit there uh walking amongst the seven stars uh the angels of the churches The rulers of the churches are owned by him and are all points accountable to him. And the elders in Sardis desperately needed to be reminded of this, for they had allowed the church to die. He says, I know your deeds, the Lord tells them, you have a name that you are alive. The church of Sardis had a reputation for an active congregation, alive in Christ, undoubtedly as well-known in Asia as the representative of the Christian faith in a wealthy and famous city. It was perhaps fashionable and popular in the community. There is no evidence that in a period of growing persecution around everywhere else that Sardis actually had any persecution. Guess what? If you're not being persecuted, you might be doing something wrong okay this busy seemingly fruitful and growing church was in fact dead and i could name about a hundred right now busy growing churches that are in fact dead we should know that the death of the of of sardis did not necessarily consist in a lack of youth activities or fellowship meetings which is kind of a lot of people at church is dead they don't have enough youth group you know rather the church had become as Uh, they become secularized. Its fundamental worldview was no different from everywhere else. Everybody's like, hey, we're just gonna go hang out in this church. They they didn't look anything different. So the Lord gives Sardis two admonitions. First, he says, my favorite. Wake up! Wake up, he says. Wake up. Sardis was actually built on a mountain. And this acropolis was constructed on a spur of this mountain Uh, Which was all but impregnable, yet twice in the city's history it had been taken unawares and captured by enemies. The parallel with the church's lack of vigilance and its need to wake up lest it fall under judgment is striking. Sardis is not quite uh, completely dead, but these things are about to die. Although the Lord has not written off the entire church yet, the danger is real and imminent. The elders at Sardis must begin now to strengthen things that may remain. At this point, some members of Sardis could have complained, what are you scolding us for? We haven't done anything wrong. And that was precisely the problem. Sardis had works, but they had not been completed. They were unfulfilled in God's sight. In fact, Sardis may have appeared to be the most alive church for this very reason. As a dead church, it experienced neither theological controversy nor persecution. Contempt with being mediocre, lacking both enthusiasm to obtain a heresy and the depths of conviction which provokes intolerance. It was too innocuous to be worth persecuting. (laughs) Satan may have felt that Sardis was coming along rather nicely without his interference and was better off left alone. In his second admonition, Christ commands remember therefore what you have received and heard the gospel the ministry the sacraments and in this and in the case of the elders whom this is specifically addressed the privileges and responsibilities of office bearing in the church of christ and all these things they were to keep to watch over and to guard and that meant they must repent of their slothful attitude and conduct i will therefore if you will not repent I'm going to come upon you like a what? The thief in a night that you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Remember, people think that the thief in night has to do with Christians being raptured. This is the opposite. The thief in the night is coming come to take the bad guys bridge. away to punish them. That's what the thief in the night means—not to get you out of—not tra- to get you the good people out of trouble, but to get the those who are need to be in trouble in trouble. So to repent, of what has been painstakingly pointed out. Uh, the threat of Christ coming against a local church or even against a nation or a group of nations is not the same as the second coming. You guys think at the end of the age there there is some sort of culmination of the world. That's not what he's talking about. Everyone is accessible to Christ the Lord at all times. And any disobedient individual, family, church, business, society, or nation is liable to have Christ come in judgment, a judgment which may include any or all of the covenantal curses listed in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. In any case, the words upon you indicate a local coming. It means it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Not in 2000 years from now, not in some great tribulation. The failure of commenters and preachers to understand this simple fact is the predictable result. Of a flat, futuristic hum- hermeneutic—basically, how you dis- how you understand Scripture—bordering on biblical he- illiteracy. So, but there were a few people in Sardis, however, who had not, who had remained faithful to which and to what they had received and heard, and had not soiled their garments. They had not become secularized or conformed to the surrounding heathen culture. And that's where we're at right now. There are there are several of you who are trying to do what's right, and there's good word for you. You, they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will be clothed with a white garment. And this is really neat because these saints are seen in white garments seven times in the book of Revelation 3, 5, 18, 4, 4, 6, 11, 7, 9, 13, and nine, fourteen. It is obviously a symbol in scripture for cleanliness and righteousness and its ultimate origins in the sun-like brightness of the glory cloud in Christ. The saints are recreated in, in, in the image of God and are clothed with the new man, Jesus Christ. Our being clothed in the white robes of righteousness, therefore, takes place definitely. So here's the thing. Number one, as soon as we're baptized, we get these white robes. And then we work out our salvation progressively, okay, by putting on the garments, okay, Colossians 3. And finally, at this culmination, Colossians 3, 4 and Jude 24, you 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 live forever in the white garment. So as with all the promises of the overcomers in Revelation, this is uh, this too is simply a description of an aspect of salvation. Uh, and in this letter's second promise regarding the overcomer, he says, "I'm not going to take or erase your name out of the book of life." This statement has been the source of controversy for generations. Can a true Christian fall away? And we're, we'll talk about that in a second. But do you have any thoughts, Jason, on? Um, the kind of the Luke at Laodicea is called the lukewarm church. Sardis seems to be a lukewarm church here Um and wearing and getting that white robe. He's obviously talking to this um church that has been secularized is not wearing their, their, their cleanly white robe.
2: Yeah. So it's, I know the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Yeah. And that's where, Programs can become the thing that grow a church, but actually lead to death of the spirit of God in the church. Yes. Because we have these great programs. We're alive. The world's saying you're growing. You have this great program. You have this great service. Yes. But God's not allowed to move because our, our society wants, they want things that entertain. They want things like, and so we create these programs that keep people there, but we don't give them the power of God to go forth and actually change the world. And that's what programs do. We, we bring everything to a formula and a program. I can teach you how to grow a church. There, there's actually companies that do that. They have a formula, they have a program, but they're producing dead works within it because it doesn't allow the spirit of God to indwell the people And that's, I don't know, that's what I've seen. Because by the world standard, they were alive. They were growing. The numbers were looking good. They were building new buildings. But they weren't. And he's calling them dead.
0: Come on. Jason said it, not me. I want to read two comments here. Sherry says, oh my gosh, the Sardis Church is my local church. (laughs) The pastor thinks all is great because of many getting baptized. Meanwhile, there is a mass exodus of this local church body since 2020. Oh, and not one word about the lack of morality within the church overall. Many are called, fewer chosen, question mark, question mark. Then Isaiah 4110, whose name is also Sherry, says, I need to find a local church. We left ours in 2018. Let me tell y'all something real quick. The Kingdom Roundtable... Revelation red pill right now, y'all ain't churchless because we're having church right now. We are an ecclesia, we are the body of Christ, we are expanding the kingdom of God, you are a part of it. But this is what I would say to most people who are churchless right now. You are churchless right now because God is equipping you and training you to start your own ecclesia where you are at. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for you to go and find an ecclesia if you can start your own and begin to, listen, it starts with, it's like, when I was a kid, we called them Bible studies. Okay. You get your local neighbors together and you say, hey, you would you like to- literally just th- open it up with like two other people and you read it. And let me tell you something. Now you got church. In church. Okay. <laughs> Throw a little uh potluck in there. And then people be like, hey, are we having church this week? I'm going to bring the casserole. It's the best thing on the planet. It is literally the greatest thing because then you are now feeding each other. Find the poorest people in your neighborhood and say, hey, do you want to come over to church on Sunday night at my at my house? We're having church and we've got food. And then they're coming. This is what we need to be doing. We need to be doing these community pods of, of an ecclesia. And as those grow... We stop going to a mega church where someone else is in charge and preaching from a pulpit, some lukewarm service like this, like Sardis. The church should be like, you know, back then, by the way, the Reader's Digest sermons, these synagogues (laughs) were as frequent as like, um, imagine your neighborhood. Let's say you got a neighborhood. It's got like 100, 200 houses in it. Okay. Reader's Digest is for pooping on the pot. Stop it. And then like every 20 houses, you've got a synagogue. There were that many synagogues in ancient Rome at the time, in Jerusalem. It was on every corner. It was literally on every corner. You Did could it. walk to your you local to, synagogue. There was no cars. So that so You had to
4: be able to walk to it. And
0: the, there weren't a lot of people right. that went to that synagogue because there were so many. It was a local, very yeah. intimate communal thing. And then the early church represented that and just replicated that is the word I'm looking for, replicated that and did it themselves. So all these people out there that are church less, you're probably called to start your own little body where you're at and invite your neighbors and invite Jason your friends. Jason probably has some words on that. Go ahead, Jason.
3: You're good.
2: <laughs> I mean, really what's the church? It's an assembly. It's a community that gets together. And uh, Francis Chan, he actually used to have a mega church and uh, I studied him about three yeah. years ago. And he actually – got out of the mega church and he actually started creating home churches and the idea was every like community every block would have their own her- home church once they hit about 50 people they actually wanted it to split yeah. and when you gave within that church everybody was bivocational. there was no pastor that was taking a salary mm-hmm. it all went into find out what they could do for that local community so if you're if you were in charge of that one block Oklahoma out here we're pretty one block 1 mile by 1 mile Okay, you plant a church in here. What needs done within my block from yeah. 91st to 101st Aspen Elm? Right. And that's what the actual tithe went together. That's what the bodega would feed, yeah. as Corey talks about. We're not – like, if we can start taking care of – every every believer starts a community that gets together, reads the word, fellowships, and prophesies. That Does what the Lord tells you to do in that meeting in a block-by-block area. We would take over the city and this nation. We yeah. would
0: take over the world, Jace, and we will. And yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, let me encourage
3: you guys. You don't necessarily have to make it um, a, a service Official. type thing because yeah. Michelle and I end up having church wherever we go, literally. But like, you can.
0: Some people like the formality oh, of it. Like, yeah, we have sure. Wednesday night here. This is our church. This is what you guys are at, yeah. right? And so some people like that. Like I said, get together once a week with your, if you want to, or you can just do it haphazardly. But I want to read these comments because, um, Sherry says, yes, Michelle, all of you are my church. Isaiah 41 10 says, I have wanted to start a home church. I was discussing this with my receptionist exclamation point. And then Sherry says, I wish you all could see me giving you a thumbs up and happily screaming at my phone, listening to you. I have such hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've got Debbie on Facebook that says, yes, yes, Michelle. Stephanie says, yes, this is what I want. I see baptisms in my pool. Bella says, the word and the food, let us keep the feast. Stephanie says, is this why I made so much mulberry and raspberry jam? LOL. Everybody's getting jam at your church. you getting the jam, and then you have a jam, bring your guitar. Yeah, you guys, I feel like there's just a
3: word that needs to be said over you guys to release you to start your own churches. Yes. I just release you in the name of Jesus to go and preach and start a service. And look up the word ecclesia. And just start a Bible, Bible study with, your, with with your neighbors. I release you, and we just, right now... We anoint you. Come on. We anoint yes, you and we we, uh, we ordain you right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jason's here. We are here. We ordain you as In the Revelation name of Jesus. Red Pillars. I Hallelujah. think if you, especially if you've been here for twenty weeks, you are ready to be a minister of the gospel. You are ready to start your own church and you are ordained right now to go forth. I call you forth. To, to, yes. to plant some churches in Jesus' name. Those of you right now who have a commission in your heart, I pray that the people will come. I pray that you will that you will start these little mini churches around your neighborhood. And God will begin to... Um, the Bible says that he's given prophets, apostles, teachers, preaching evangelists to equip the saints to the work of the ministry. So as you've been listening to this Revelation Red Pill and the, and the Kingdom Roundtable... God has equipped you to do the work of the ministry, and now you go take what you've learned and go teach it to others, and we just release you right now. Yes. We we lay our hands on you through the, the screen here. Yes. We anoint you with oil. Go get some oil. Those of you who feel called to be a pastor or preacher or evangelist, anoint yourself in Jesus' name. Say they have released me into the ministry, and I am going to preach the gospel. I am called to be a minister. I am called to share this with my, my friends and my family and my neighborhood. I can be a minister it's not just watching somebody on TV yes. I can be a minister I'm not supposed to sit and soak and sour I am supposed to go forth and be a minister of the gospel myself and if Sardis is all the churches we've got we're gonna turn
0: uh, we're gonna turn you into a Philadelphia here in a second so good Sherry says I do plan for Mondays and Wednesdays and the second sherry says accepted. Awesome. That's well, awesome. you
3: are ordained, and finally, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I think this is the whole episode. Uh, he says, "And he that overcomes, the same will be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before His angels." That gives the op the the open door that he could blot your name out of the book of life, and I would dare say that there are some of these mega churches that. You know, Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast mm. out demons in your name? There are going to be people who have, who pastors, people
0: who have gone to church, people who are the sardest people. And maybe. I just picture this like ink thing. And they're with, not like, a there. Blot, like he's taking the ink and he's literally blotting it out. Like your name ain't here no more. And they're not there. And when they go to heaven, their names
3: aren't there. You know, I'm going to just kind of... Hebrews chapter 6, therefore... Stephanie says, amen, Leah. Stephanie says, amen, I receive that. Woo. Hebrews chapter 6, Leaving, therefore, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying in the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put on him to open shame. I don't want you all to worry about that. And if you can identify the church of Sardis, then you're probably good. Um... But that is a principle that I know a lot that that, that is t- tends to be a little controversial. I don't know how Hebrews 6 can be controversial. Um, but if people walk away, they can walk away and I think that it's important to to stay true and to you know what, if you're on if you're moving forward and you're trying to be an overcomer, that's what's important.
0: Exactly. And you know what else I would say? I would warn those who are not. What I have what I have found, this is my personal experience. Anyone that wants to come back to Jesus has not committed the unpardonable sin. Has not
3: walked away from it. But you haven't walked away if you want to come back.
0: Exactly. You know? Bingo. Jason, what do you got?
2: Just on that, there's being a prodigal, like the prodigal son. He walked away and he realized what he did and he was able to come back to the father's house. And there is actually kind of in an eye Fire, what did they do? They actually directly lied to the Holy Ghost. There's a difference it's uh, good. Almost like, hey, the grass is green over here. Let me go try this. And there's actually cursing God in line with the Holy Spirit, which brought whole different results. The prodigal son came back, and Ananias Sapphire died.
1: Boom.
3: Yeah, that's good. All right. So let's go on to uh, the church in Philadelphia. Do you want to read that one?
2: Yes. Christ's letter to Philadelphia Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Philadelphia. For these are the solemn words of the Holy One, the true one who has David's keys, who opens doors that none can shut and who closes doors that none can open. I know all that you have done. Now I have set before you a wide open door and no none can shut it. For I know that you possess only a little power, yet you've kept my word and haven't denied my name. Watch how I deal with the O's of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews but are not, for they are they're lying. I will make them come down, come and bow down at your feet and acknowledge how much I loved you, mm. because you passionately kept my message of perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of proving that is coming to test every person on earth. Oh, but I, I will come, but I come swiftly. So cling tightly to what you have said. So no one may seize your crown of victory for the one who is victorious i will make you to be a pillar in the sanctuary of my god permanently secure i will write on you the name of my god and the name of the city of my god the new jerusalem descending from my god out of heaven and i'll write my name my own name on you so the ones whose heart is open let him listen carefully to what the spirit is saying to all the churches. Mm,
3: that's so good. So in Philadelphia, uh, it was a Lydian city founded by Attilus the Second, Philadelphus, in one. He was from one fifty nine to one thirty eight B.C. Uh, who was known for his devotion to his brother, uh, Amunus. His name, meaning brotherly love, was perpetuated by the city. Philadelphia was a city of commercial importance, conveniently located as the gateway to the high central plateau of the Roman province of Asia. Maybe, Michelle, you want to bring up that for people to see. In Asia Minor, Philadelphia. Yeah. uh, An outpost of the Hellenism in native Anatolia lay under Mount uh, to Mulus in a wide vale that opens into the Hermes Valley and along with the post, uh, road and, uh, road ran its location on a broad, low, easily defended hill explains the city's long stand against the Turks. Turks, the district is disastrously seismic and the great earthquake of AD 17, 17 ruined it completely. Placed directly above the fault, Philadelphia was tormented by 20 years of recurrent quakes after that calamity. So, why Jesus is obviously alive, it's, you know, hit, getting hit with earthquakes. Oh, earthquakes. earthquakes. Hence, stated the biblical historian Ramsey, is derived the imagery of the verse 12. The new name in this verse is certainly a reference to the proposal to rename the city neo Cesarea, in gratitude for Tiberius's generous earthquake relief. The district was an area of vine growing and wine production, and therefore the center of worship of Dionysus, the god of wine and fertility. The believers of the Philadelphian church were like the Jewish Christians for whom John wrote this gospel. Many had likely been expelled from their synagogues. Uh, a Christian witness, despite Muslim invasion and pressure, was maintained in Philadelphia through medieval and into modern times. So the synagogue of Satan is a bold metaphor directed against unbelievers and hostile Jews. The Jewish synagogue was a gathering place for worship, study, and communal activities. And obviously that was called the seat of Satan there. Uh, To fall at someone's feet was an appropriate act of submission. Uh, And a city in in Asia Minor founded by an anti the second, oh, we're going to lay a scene in a second. All right. So uh, I almost jumped Forward. Like Smyrna, the church of Philadelphia had been especially persecuted by apostate Jews. Christ begins his message to the elders by declaring himself as the one who is holy, an established biblical term for God and who is true, in contrast to the lying leaders of the Jews who had rejected the truth. Jesus Christ also has the key of David. He opens and no one will shut. This is one of my favorite prayers I pray all the time God please open doors no one can shut and shut doors no one can open
0: Isaiah 22,
3: 22 he opens and no one can shut and he shuts no one can open this is an allusion to Isaiah 22 in which God accuses a royal steward of falsehood of betraying his trust God declares I will dis- depose you from your office and I will pull you down from your uh, station and that was actually in first samuel 13 and i will clothe him with your tunic and i will tie your your sash securely about him and i will entrust him with your authority and he will become a, fa- a he will become a father to the inhabitants of jerusalem and to the house of judah then i will set the key of the house of david on his shoulder This is so awesome, Isaiah 22, and he opens and no one can shut, and he shuts, no one can open. Christ is thus announcing that the officers of apostate Israel are false stewards. They have been thrown out of office. They've been removed from rightful authority and placed by the one who is holy and true. The keepers of the door of the synagogue are excommunicated Christians, declaring them to be apostates. In reality, Christ says, it is you of the synagogue who are the apostates. It is you who have been cast out of the covenant. And I have taken your place as the true steward, the pastor and the overseer of the covenant. So the Lord can comfort those, these suffering Christians who on account of their faithful following Christ have suffered wrongful excommunication from the covenant. I know your deeds. He assures them. You have been shut out of the door. By the key holders. But you must remember that I'm the one who has the key. Dave, or, um, Jason, can we talk about that? Because I don't think I've ever really heard it that way before. I know you feel like you've been cut, you've been shut out, but I'm the one who has the key. Like the pushing out of the synagogue. Do you want to say anything about that? Like I've never really heard that before in that respect. These key holders. I haven't do. either. So... He's saying the only that he... thing I have
2: Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Well, he, he assures them, sure. you have been shut out of the door by the keyholders, holders, uh, but you must remember that I am the one who has the key. And behold, I have put before you a door that no one can shut. The Lord of the covenant himself has admitted them to fellowship and has cast out those who pretend to hold the keys. The faithful Christians have uh, nothing to fear. The Church of Philadelphia has only a little power. It is not prominent. It's not stylish or outwardly prosperous. In contrast to the impressive, apparently alive, compromising Church of Sardis. Yet they have been faithful with what they have been given. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. Therefore, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who have been shutting you out, basically, who say they are Jews, but they are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. And again, the apostate Jews are revealed in their true identity, the synagogue of Satan. Again, there is no such thing as, and I'm. this is what David Chilton says, orthodox Judaism. There's no such thing as a genuine belief in the Old Testament that is consistent with the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord. Those who do not believe in Christ, who do not believe, actually don't believe in the Old Testament either. They, um, and... And I'm not actually going to say that line from David Chilton's book. Uh, the Jew uh, will not be recognized by God as one of I His chosen people. This no, Gary North uploaded the David Chilton book. Okay. Uh, Jew will not be recognized by God as one of His chosen people until he demand he until he accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior. So um, as they are rejecting Jesus, who followed in the footsteps of Abraham, Jesus says, "They are lying. They are lying. They are kicking you out." But I'm the one with the keys. And although they currently have the upper hand in Philadelphia, which obviously they did, there was was a seat of of these apostate Jews, their domination of the true covenant people will not last long. Christ himself will force them to come and bow down at the Christian's feet. And we saw that happen in AD 70. Uh, In this statement, it is an ironic reference to Isaiah 60, 14, where God gives this promise to the covenant people who have been persecuted by the heathen. The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you and all those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Those who falsely claim to be Jews are really in a position of the persecuting heathen at this point, And they will be forced to acknowledge the covenant status of the church as the inheritor of the promises of Abraham and Moses um apostate israel has been pruned out of the tree of life of the covenant people while believers in christ from all nations have been grafted in the only hope for those outside the covenant line regardless of their ethnic or religious heritage is to recognize christ as their savior so we've got this these persecuted christians he says uh because the persecuted christians of philadelphia had kept the word of perseverance the lord promises in return to keep them from the hour of testing um Christ is not promising to rapture them, to take them out, but to keep them. In other words, he is promising to preserve them in trial and to keep them from falling. Although this is one of the verses that dispensationalists have claimed to support a pre-tribulation rapture theory, on close examination, it actually reveals itself to be nothing of the sort. In fact, it says nothing about the end of the world or the second coming at all. The hour of testing spoken of here is identified as that hour which is about to come upon the whole world. And let's get to that in one second. But do you, does anybody have anything to say upon the keys and um, the, the persecution of the Jews? Basically saying when, 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 the, when the Christians who were Jews were kicked out of the synagogue, the, the, how devastating that
0: was and how, how they were persecuted. I can say this the whole section there is already highlighted in that's all that is literally so i have clearly identified in my life through persecutions with the church of philadelphia and i think most of us have and specifically the last three years through covid we have all kind of felt this this level of being ostracized and kicked out so this church was quite literally being kicked out in a, in a way that we can't really wrap our brains around because the very source of spiritualism, of connection to God, was like these synagogues. And, and remember, this is a communal thing. So you're used to going to the synagogue, right? You're used to... Um, now, granted, we also have some Gentiles that are in these churches as well, but this it, it's still this kind of idea of... Well, he's talking about the Jews
3: here. He's talking about those who say they're Jews but are not. They're kicking you out. They're persecuting you.
0: Right. No, but what I'm saying is these people have been... There were some Gentiles in here that were in these churches. Mm -hmm. These aren't just all Jews in these churches, to my knowledge. Right, but I feel like
3: this right now, he's addressing the the, the Jewish persecution. he's, he's, He's
0: addressing only the
3: Jews that were persecuted? He's addressing... Well, he's addressing the Jewish persecution and taking the... He's like... When he talked about the keys and you were upstairs getting water, he says, I know that these, the Jewish people had the keys to heaven, basically. Right. And so. I don't think
0: we're saying anything different. You're so hearing me wrong. So they're
3: saying like specifically for the Jewish people. Right. They were not, they were kicked out. And he was the saying. The Jewish oh, I Christians. Yeah. The Jewish okay. Christians.
0: Well, but either way, it's, they're in the church. Everybody's going to feel it. It's, it's, it's on such a level that it's community. Imagine your neighbors, Mm -hmm. okay, are part of your church and your community. And even if you're a Gentile or whether you're a Jew, you're going to understand that connection to the synagogue to that. Okay. I have just got, even if I'm a Gentile, I've just gotten saved into the religion that says that those Jews that I've looked at my entire life, their Messiah has come and you would think that automatically everyone is going to go along with it. Yes, the Messiah is coming now every synagogue is going to be converted and everybody's going to be. Instead, the complete opposite happens. I don't think that we can quite in our modern brains understand the culture of the time and what this meant to everybody's daily living and life. Because Jerusalem, we remember when Jesus looked at, at the temple and said, this is going to be destroyed. Not one stone is gonna be left upon another. The disciples are standing there going, this is like essentially the seventh wonder of the world. No way that whole thing is going to fall. Everybody, and, and even, um, was it Tiberius? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to destroy the temple. It's like, dude, that's really, it's a sacred thing. Even though we don't believe in that religion, it's really cool. And so everything was surrounded around the Jewish culture, whether you were Roman, whether you were Greek, um, like it doesn't matter. Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's your answer. And, and
3: we're will go. We'll going to skip a verse real quick. We'll go back to it. He that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Because they couldn't go to that beautiful He won't temple. have to go out anymore. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem,
0: which comes down from heaven. So you're Jewish or you're a Gentile. And you think, I have now, I now found the Messiah. I've been kicked out of the synagogue. Of I've been kicked out of the temple.
3: temple. And he the, says, the
0: Messiah that came, that temple, I should go there to worship him. And, he and says, now I can't go there.
3: And he said, I'll make you a pillar in this temple. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason.
2: Well, you kind of are hitting on it, but we are the temple of Holy Ghost now. And so there's understanding what, when Christ came and Christ died on the cross, he did away with the old covenant system. But the temple still existed for 40 years, so 70 AD when it was destroyed. So literally, mm-hmm. it talks about the disciples that were getting people saved and bringing them into salvation in Jesus Christ were still going to the temple. Mm-hmm. because that was, their, And they were preparing the people to say, what you've done mm-hmm. is going to be finally destroyed. It was taken care of at the cross, but there was still the temple. So people were still living in going to the temple, but knowing there was a new covenant. Mm-hmm. And when that temple fell, there was nothing left of the Old Covenant. There was no temple. It was destroyed. So these people were out of the temple. But what happened? The veil was torn when Christ died.
3: Yeah.
2: And the day of Pentecost, he came into us. So mm-hmm. it was getting people to realize that you are the temple. I'm making you a pillar in my temple because I've left the temple of David. Well, we I've just... left the building. Sorry,
3: go. Keep <laughs> so, going, keep going.
2: I've left the building, and I'm now inhabiting in each one of my believers.
3: And we just heard from the, the previous church about the garments. Yeah. So that's a priestly garment. We're describing this temple. Right. We're describing Jewish worship and the amazingness that it's now a spiritual church. It's now So you've got um, the two side posts of the tabernacle, the pillars of the temple, were called the Shoulders while the headdress of the priest inscribed with the name of God corresponded to the lintel which overarched the pillars. So just as the two temple pillars were named, and maybe you can look this up, were named, he established, he shall establish, and okay, so the, the the two temple pillars were named, he shall establish, and in him is strength, 1 Kings 7:21. So the shoulder pieces of the high priest ephod were inscribed with the names of the sons of Israel. And all this is brought together in Revelation, where the faithful overcomer uh, is received as a pillar in God's temple. And he will not go forth from it anymore. The people of God are characterized by stability and permanence. And we have been redeemed from our wanderings. Uh, continuing this imagery, he says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the city of my God and, I, and my new name. All of this speaks of the full restoration of God's people and the image of God. As we see in the final chapter of Revelation, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Guys, this is not just like the mark of the beast. It's not like literal 666. Because here he says, is God's name literally on your forehead? Okay, this, it's, a, it's an imagery, right? His name is going to be on our forehead, which means it's gonna be on our minds, on our hearts, who we are. One of the basic blessings of the covenant is contained in the familiar benediction... The Lord make His face to shine upon you, Numbers six twenty-five. To see the shining of God's face means to partake of salvation and to reflect the glory of God as His image bearers. Similarly, as we've already already seen, the name of God inscribed on the forehead symbolizes the restoration of the redeemed man to the ethical and physical glory which belongs to the image of God. The picture is completed as the Christian is declared to be a citizen of the New Jerusalem, Mm. which comes down from heaven. And he's talking. Jason, we can talk about this now real quick. Um, Talk about the timing of this, because we see in Revelation, the new Jerusalem's coming down in Revelation uh, chapters uh, 20, 21. And and that seems like to be the end, like it's in the future. But actually he's saying, um, if you overcome you, he's talking to, um, he's saying, I'm, Uh, He says, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. That the hour is coming now upon the the, the whole earth. I come quickly. So this new Jerusalem, he's saying, you're going to be part of this right now the old jerusalem which had apostatized from the faith of abraham was under judgment and about to be destroyed it literally was about to be destroyed the old temple which god had abandoned had become a sanctuary for demons and was soon to be completely demolished but not one stone would be laid upon another but now the church of christ is declared to be the city of god the New Jerusalem, and you don't have to leave it anymore. The children of the old Jerusalem, like their mother, were enslaved. While Jerusalem, a free from a free, is above. She is our mother. Jesus said, "Many shall come from the east and the west, and shall reckon, shall recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into utter darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Teeth. And this was." Uh, True of the overcoming Christians in Philadelphia. They actually saw this, even though, although persecuted and discriminated against by the false Israel, okay, as Isaac had been by Ishmael, the sons disinherited and cast out while they were through Christ, received the blessings of their father Abraham and inherited the world. So Jason, do you want to say anything about the timing of that, the new Jerusalem at all?
2: I think you covered it it talks about that they were going to be a pillar in that new temple
1: mm-hmm.
2: that generation so it's telling us that it was already being established
1: mm-hmm.
2: when that old temple is described but what you the part you said about it was showing isaac and ishmael
1: yeah
2: how that was really what was becoming the israel became the ishmael where i you know I don't know, that was just a powerful thing to think of how we were brought in as part of the, the children of promise, um, which was just, I don't know, that just stood out to me.
3: All right, and the last thing on the Philadelphian church, I'm going to actually back up. He says, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of, of, of temptation or testing that's going to come upon the whole world and try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly.
1: Mm.
3: Hold that fast, which you have, and let no man take your crown. So um, is uh, it is speaking of the period of tribulation, which in the experience of the first century readers was about to come. Now, does it make sense, Jason, that Jesus would promise this church of Philadelphia protection from something that would happen thousands of years later? Be of good cheer, you faithful, suffering Christians of the first century Asia Minor. I know you're suffering, but... I won't let those, you know, those Soviet missiles and killer bees of the 20th century get to you. That's not, that. that's how modern, that's the, that's the dispensationalist, the modern end times theory says that this is for 2,000 years in the future.
2: It, it's one of those, if this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, that means Jesus Christ was either a liar to that generation or, you know, it, it it doesn't go with the character and nature of God. If we've distorted His character and nature so much that it'd be like me looking at my kids and saying, "You will have a new home," but then what? Twenty generations later, I'm they're still saying, "Remember, your great 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 grandfather said that I will." You know, they were going to have a new home. But that applies you to, like, in 2,000 years, we're going to have 100 different homes. Mm-hmm. So the reality is it doesn't even line up with the own words in Revelation. That it was going to happen shortly, it was going to happen quickly, and it was going to happen in that generation.
0: Yeah. I get the idea of God being a mysterious God. Mm-hmm. and And he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Yeah. That being said, the book of Revelation written specifically to a, a, a set of people is so powerful. Yeah. That God is not a God that plays games. Right. He just doesn't. And anyone that would think that God plays games, it's like this, and I I don't want to sound like some sort of, you know, amazing philo- philosopher, I can't even say the word, philosopher, on this. But I'm like, in keeping with the nature of God, mm-hmm. it is very simple to understand what this book is saying. Mm-hmm. But but too many people would rather rely on their own mental understanding. Yeah, right. I think it means this. Then like, okay, I don't understand that. So I'm going to rely on my understanding rather than saying i serve a god that's so big that if if something if i don't understand something then i don't understand it Mm -hmm. instead of saying i serve a god that's so big he must mean what i think he means yeah and that's where we've landed israel had
3: become a nation of pagans at that point and it was about to be destroyed it was about to be exiled and supplanted by a new nation the church The entire Roman world itself would be thrown into massive convulsions, part of which would involve the persecution of Christians by a crazed self-deified emperor with the aid of the Jews. Days were coming in which the devil, in both his Roman and Jewish manifestations, would attempt to destroy Christianity once and for all. The end result would be the destruction of Israel and Rome instead. But in the meantime, there were hard times in store for Christians and many enticements to turn from the faith. Christ is here promising his faithful followers that they will be protected and enabled to persevere in the coming hour of trials. So again, he reminds them, I am coming quickly and the promised judgment is not far off. Therefore, hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. Christ has opened the door for the church, granting it the privilege of royal fellowship with God as his priests and kings. And they must endure for his sake while he is his coming kingdom shakes the nations. And I would say that that is something that we are dealing with. Even now in this hour, you are going to see I am telling you that the word of God says I am coming quickly. And that's why that's why we're doing this Revelation Red Hill right now, because we are God is saying I'm coming quickly and I'm going to judge people. Get cleaned up so I don't have to judge you. But if you get cleaned up, I'll judge those who are persecuting you. I'll judge the world economic Forum. I'll judge the Klaus yeah. I'll judge these Democrats, these radical leftists. But you got to clean yourself up first. And that's a, if I had one sentence to tell you why I feel it important to do this right now, that's it.
0: That's good.
3: So, Jason, it is 10, 10, my time, nine ten your time. Uh, we have one last church, Laodicea. Do you want to sign off or do you want to go to Laodicea with us?
2: Let's go there. But I want to say, oh, go ahead. when you're just talking about the, I'll, I'll stay, but
3: okay,
2: you're talking about how he's coming to judge and clean things up. Rob said this in one of the uh, kingdom round tables, what's being dealt with in the church, what's going on in this church. It's not society. We've allowed these things in the church
1: mm.
2: and now we're seeing them in our society.
3: Yeah.
2: We first relaxed the morals in the church, and now we're seeing it in our society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as we look at that, he's coming first to bring judgment on the house of God.
0: Yeah. Come on. Yes.
2: He is starting to say, clean yourself up because yes. if you clean yourself up, the world will start to see a change. Yes. But when the divorce rate is the same inside the church is outside of it, when 50% of pastors are in pornography, when 80% of guys, it doesn't matter, inside or outside the church, are in pornography, there's no difference. Oh. So what does he have to do? He has to clean up the church so that we can be the light of the world, not covered in filth yeah. because we've been playing with the pigs of the world. We are called to be a holy, righteous thing, a, literally a light set on a hill. Yeah. we're supposed to be the salt we've lost our saltiness we've put our light under a bushel basket and said let me play with the world and he's saying lift off that basket be the light clean yourselves up so i can go ahead and deal with the world in our world economic form all those things you said if we clean ourselves up he can judge those righteously yeah. because we're a clean church but he can't deal with those when he's letting it in his church and wow. so he's calling the church to clean up so that he can deal with the evil outside.
0: Come on.
3: That's that, a mic drop that is right su- there. That literally summing up what we're talking about. And just to put you guys in the mindset of where these guys who are reading this. Jerusalem was still standing. The temple they, was the still temple standing. The temple was still standing. They couldn't fathom what they didn't know. Honestly, I don't think the Christians knew. I don't think the Christians knew Jerusalem was really going to be destroyed. I don't think they really had any idea that the temple would be destroyed, Jason. I think that this letter was designed to be almost one of those things to look back on. Yeah. Right? Like, whoa, like we overcame. <laughs> and now, uh, we're the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem's gone. It's so like, you're looking around going, Oh, that's okay, us now. So Washington DC gets obliterated or something. Please, and Jesus. like, we're the new Washington DC, but you know what I mean? Right. That's, it's literally a obliter- It was literally raised to the ground with not one stone left upon another, like completely and utterly destroyed. It's something that you, you, nobody wants to talk about because it totally obliterates their end times messaging. Okay. But Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is us now because the... They don't talk about that. Uh, they will say you're the new Jerusalem, but then they say in order to for these certain things to be fulfilled, Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. The Jews have to go back there. The yeah, temple has to be rebuilt. You gotta
0: have this big do-over. All right, let me read a couple of comments and we'll move on to the last church here because this these two had me fired up. Sherry, Isaiah 41, 10 says, Three people on my Facebook just said they are interested in a home church. Praise Jesus. Woo-hoo! She says. <laughs> she put the woo-hoo. Um, All right, and then uh, Dawn on Facebook says, Yes, right now, it's my husband and myself. We can't fight a church that is not into the rapture theory. I can no longer talk to people about the Lord or the Bible, not even my mother. Our change has caused all others to think we are in a cult. I can no longer go to churches that are dead or preaching a false doctrine. All you hear is rapture, rapture, rapture. And they do not realize that they are the cult and won't even listen. I did. I wanted truth. I was tired of having questions that could not be answered. So I'm guessing that was back to the, the after the prayer that we were talking about, that like, people starting their own churches. So I have a sneaking suspicion that Dawn and her husband are getting ready to start their own <laughs> church, too. That. So so. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. <laughs> You're doing it. And well done to identify that they are the cult. Yeah. It's a rapture cult. Rapture, rapture, rapture. rapture, rapture. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last church, Jason, let it roll in verse 14.
2: Uh, Christ letter to Laodicea. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Laodicea. For these are the words of the amen the faithful and true witness the ruler of god's creation i know all that you do and i know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent in passion
1: mm.
2: Now, how i wish you were either one or the other but because you are neither cold nor hot but lukewarm i'm about to spit you out of my mouth mm. for you to claim i am rich and getting richer i don't need a thing Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. Mm. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire. Yes. So that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameless, shameful Adam nakedness. Mm. Purchase eyesolves to be placed over your eyes so you can truly Mm. see. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. Mm. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. Yeah. If your heart is open to hear my voice and, and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne. Yes. Just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the spirit is saying now to the churches.
1: Ah,
3: This is so good. And this is actually one of the ones that has a lot of imagery in here. So you guys can circle
0: things like the eye salve and the hotter cold. This is kind of interesting. And the fact that all these people running around spiritually naked. You don't think about that. Like, what does it mean to be a naked and to be ashamed? God's got clothes, spiritual clothes for you because y'all run around naked.
3: Right. No, that's true. But I was actually considering um, the things in Laodicea, the city itself. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to dive right into that. So. Uh is a city in Asia Minor founded by uh Antichus II. Laodicea, uh you want to bring that up for the map, was the wealthiest city in uh, Persia during Roman times and the head of the circuit of the seven churches which are in Asia. The city lay on one of the great Asian trade routes. And this ensured its commercial prosperity. Laodicea was a leading banking center uh, in 51 BC, Cicero, en route to a Sicilian province, cash drafts there. And it was no doubt the rich banking firms that in 8060 financed the reconstruction of the city after the great earthquake that had destroyed it. Self-sufficient Laodicea refused the Senate's earthquake relief, actually. The Lycian Valley, Lycus Valley, Valley produced a glossy black wool, uh, the source of black coats and carpets for which the city was renowned. Laodicea was also home of a medical school and the manufacture of collyrium, uh, a a famous eye salve. So this is so cool. So John is literally, and so many of these things to the churches. He's bringing things out from the city. He's giving you um references so they had a famous eye there uh, the scornful imagery of the apocalyptic letter to laodicea was obviously based on uh these activities it also made reference to the soda-laden lukewarm water piped in from uh pol- police uh whose thermal springs ran into uh mass and uh meander sir william ramsey suggested that the city's Exposed position and easy wealth caused the growth in the community of that spirit of compromise and worldly mindliness castigated in revelation under uh, uh, Diocletian uh, Laodicea still prosperous was made the chief city of the province of Perga So there's actually two ways to look at the hotter cold It's I'm going to give you both ways to look at this hotter cold In a second. So, the wealthiest city in the region, Laodicea, was another important center of the emperor worship. In his message to the elders of this church, Christ identifies himself in three ways. He says, He is the Amen. This is a familiar word to all Christians. We repeat it all the time. We think it means kind of just so be it. But in terms of the theology of the Bible, it's much stronger than just saying so be it. In reality, it's an oath. To say Amen means to call down upon yourself the curses of the covenant. As our yes and amen, Jesus Christ is the guarantee of the covenantal promises by his perfect obedience, atoning sacrifice, and continual intercession in the court of heaven. Thus, our amen in literal response to God's word is both an oath... And a recognition that our salvation is wholly dependent, not upon our keeping of the covenant, but upon the perfect covenant keeping of Jesus Christ who placed himself under the covenant stipulations and curses in our place. So second, this means that Jesus is also the faithful and true witness on whose word we may internally depend. He is a faithful witness because his witness is true and he is a true witness because in him is the complete realization of all the qualifications that constitute any one really and true witness. And it is as this Uh, infallible and fully authoritative witness that christ bears convicting testimony against the church of laodicea so third jesus says he is the beginning of the creation of god he is the arche, both the origin and the ruler of all creation as paul also wrote in a letter he specifically intended the laodicean church to read colossians uh four and he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation for he for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and in the earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or frequencies or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come and have first place in everything. Thus the one who speaks to Laodicea is the Amen, the great guarantor of the covenant, the infallible witness who is truth himself and all the authority possessed by the creator and king of the universe. He has come to bear witness against this church. So Laodicea was lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Now, this has often been interpreted as if hot meant godly enthusiasm and cold meant ungodly antagonism. But there is another explanation, and I was listening and reading this today, and I think this suits it better, Uh, which uh, suits uh, Laodicea. Laodicea was situated between two other important cities, Colossus, and uh, Hieropolis. So Colossae wedged into a narrow valley in the shadow of the towering mountains was watered by icy streams that tumbled down from the heights. In contrast, uh, Hieropolis, Hieropolis was famous for its hot mineral springs, which flowed out of the city and across a high plain until it cascaded down a cliff which faced Laodicea. By the time the water reached the valley floor, and I don't know if you can look up the hot springs of here, uh, Herop- Heropolis. Maybe Michelle, H-I-E-R, I Her- hot springs of Heropolis. Um, by the time the water reached the valley floor, it was lukewarm, putrid, and nauseating. At Colossae, therefore, one could be refreshed with clear, cold, invigorating drinking water. In Heropolis, one could be healed by bathing in its hot, mineral-laden pools. But at Laodicea, the waters were neither hot for health nor cold for drinking. In other words, the basic accusation against Laodicea is that it is ineffectual and good for nothing. The Laodicean church brings neither a cure for illness nor a drink to soothe dry lips and parched throats. The sort of Christianity represented by Laodicea is worthless. The church provided neither refreshment for the spiritual weary nor healing for the spiritual sick. It is totally ineffective and thus distasteful to the Lord. Thus says, uh, mounts, the church is not being called to task for its spiritual temperature, but for the barrenness of its works. This explains the statement. I would that you were hot and could have healing waters, those mineral hot springs, or you were cold, this fresh spring, or fresh mountain water. He is not saying that outright apostasy is preferable to the middle of the roadism. Rather, he is wishing that the Laodicean Christians would have influence upon their society. Anybody have anything to say on that? I heard that today as I was preparing for this, and I was like, that's it. I, I
0: finally got it. What do you guys say? I was looking at the pictures, and Me. I think, It's awesome. I think it's really cool. Context matters. Go ahead, Jason.
2: To me, it's back to the mixture thing. Ah! It's what Jezebel brought. That mixture, you know, what's it called on our showers? A mixing valve to bring the hot to cold. And so when we start mixing, there's benefits to both. There's benefits to living hot for God. The passionate Mm -hmm. zeal to go after everybody but then there's also benefits of the, the drinking the water that we never thirst again. Yeah. We have to have the fire god and the water god where he says drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. We yeah. need both but when we mix them you don't have the power, the fire and you don't have the living water. That's
0: yeah. really really good.
3: So the Christian's calling is not to blend in with pagan and their pagan environment. Don't blend in. Convert it. Reform it. Reconstruct it. In terms of the whole counsel of God is mandated by his word. To cite but one example of a modern lay Laodiceanism, consider the many Bible-believing evangelical churches, which would shudder at the suggestion that they are worldly or liberal, which continue to be complacent. And he's talking about the 4,000 unborn infants. And we have an issue one coming up here. We've got a ton of, we have Christians who don't say anything wrong with abortion. You are neither hot nor cold. You are helping no one. Okay? So because you are lukewarm, he says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And that's an echo of Leviticus 18, which says, Do not defile yourself by any of these things. For by all of these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled, therefore I have visited its punishment upon it. See, God actually put punishments upon the the, the heathen since the beginning of time, guys. Um so the land has been spewed out of its inhabitants. Okay, he's using the same metaphorical language. He's he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is nothing new. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. Okay, um, so that the land so um, so that the land may not spew you out should you defile
0: it as it has spewed out the nations. I like this next part. has been before you. Uh, Because I was pre-reading here. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm really fascinated by this. And I think it it was very prophetic of Jason earlier to bring in that whole mixture thing and Mm -hmm. then for it to literally be this because he had no idea. But it says that the Laodicean lukewarmness is an abomination to the Lord because... It is such a failure in making an impression on the world and thus conforming to heathen standards and not making a fuss about those standards, which amounts to the same thing. The church is in danger of being cut off from Christ. It's very leadership threatened with wholesale excommunication. So when you do not make an impression on the world, if you're not changing yes. the world around you He's and you are then you out. allowing them to make changes on you. Yeah. You got the whole church is getting excommunicated, and you got to speak out. I would rather you were super
3: hot and were a place where people can come and get healed, or you're you were a refreshing drink. But you're nothing. You're just like them. Yeah. And I'm gonna spew you out. And I'm telling you guys, this is something that I don't see preached anywhere. Like nobody says I'm gonna come at you with the sword of my mouth. I'm gonna actually kill you. I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. Or a, a whole, whole church being right
0: excommunicated. Now. Yeah. Like this is intense. This is intense stuff. Like. Is this he's never made, honestly, the statement I would rather you be hot or cold never made sense to me because we it know that God would prefer you to be hot for God than warm for God. No, 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 no. God would rather you be, excuse me, he would rather be cold against him than warm. He would rather you be warm. So that never made sense. And yeah. now this makes Finally sense. Finally, it made sense. Finally, it makes sense. Jason, does it make sense?
2: It definitely makes more sense.
0: Context is key and that's what I love about the
3: Revelation Redfield is that we're learning along with you guys because I heard that I, I, I heard that as I was getting ready for tonight the city of Laodicea was proud of its three outstanding characteristics its great wealth its financial independence and uh, as an important banking center, its textile industry, which produced—we talked about this—this this very fine quality of world-famous black glossy wool, and its scientific community, renowned not only for its prestigious medical school but this isap called Pygurium powder. Maybe you can look that up, see if you can find that Pygurium powder. Which phy- it, phy- I think it's Phrygian. Phrygian. Sorry, thank you so much. Phrygian powder, which had been well known since the days of Aristotle. Using these facts to illustrate the problems in the church, Christ cites the general attitude of the Laodicean church. You say I am rich, you've become wealthy, and you have need of nothing. So they become so ingrained in the, their, their surroundings Oops, that they feel rich too. They're rich, that we have everything we need too. Yeah. In reality, despite the church's wealth and undoubted social standing... It was ineffectual, accomplishing nothing for the kingdom. It is not a sin for a church to be rich. In fact, God wants you to be have have wealth. Okay, but what this it, it, you are saying you're rich and you don't need God? That took away. That made you. That made Laodicea impotent. Okay, uh, you do not know that you were wretched. You you are wretched and you are miserable. And you are poor and you are blind and you are naked. Yet in grace, Christ Christ makes an offer. And we see that throughout the whole time. Guys, there is an offer for mercy. This is not just uh turn, this is not just a, a pronouncement of judgment. Every single one of these comes with it, with please, please come and, and repent. I advise you to buy from me gold that is refined by fire, that you may be rich, and your white garments that you may clothe yourself. And that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. You're not gonna be walking around. You have those dreams where you're walking around naked. Jason, you ever had one of those dreams? I hate that. Not exactly like you're
1: I don't know dream.
2: if I have. You've
3: oh, never God. had one
4: of those dreams?
3: Where you're found naked walking around? Jeez, I have them all the time. Like more than more often than I should.
0: <laughs>
3: I do. It's scary. Where did this show just go? It's scary. Where <laughs> did I have to go we hide? just go? nakedness I know somebody's gonna go start inter- inter- interpreting my dreams <laughs> it's scary it's not all the time it's 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 more, it's, it's enough to be disconcerting nakedness is symptomatic <laughs> normally I just have to pee really bad and I can't find a bathroom that's normal <laughs> I have that dream a
0: lot actually
3: because <laughs> then I just wake up because then pee. you have
0: to pee yeah
3: nakedness is symptomatic of disobedience uh, whereas being clothed in white robes is, symb- is a symbol of righteousness with regard to both justification and sanctification And blindness is a symbol for man's impotence and fallenness. Mm. So apart from God's restoration of him to true sight, the godly mature ability to judge righteous judgment. So um, anybody have anything to say on the eye salve? Come and get my eye salve
0: so you can see. All I think of is Jesus, you know, when he spat in the dirt and then put it on the guy's eyes. You know, like that's what keeps coming to my mind. Like there's this kind of, there's something to putting on something on the eyes and then sight comes. Mm. So to see that spiritually makes all the sense in the world. God Mm. gives us these physical imagery, this imagery physically so that we can see inwardly what he's actually doing to us on the inside.
3: Yeah. Jason, you have anything?
2: Well, like I was just rereading the version says, so that you can truly see. Yeah. He's wanting us to see ourselves the way he's seen us. He wants us to see how he created us in the garden yeah. where we were created in his likeness and image huh. before we took on the veil that, that Satan wanted to put over so we did yeah. not see properly. Because that veil was removed with Christ. So now he says, here's myself so you can see clearly yeah. how I created you, how mm-hmm. I created the cosmos, how I created the earth that you're to be a part of that restoration. See clearly who you are and what you're to do.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So um, Sherry says, eyes are windows, windows to the soul, right? Um, she says, my worst dream is my teeth falling out. I'm like, what? I brushed, I flossed, LOL. Uh, Salty Mama says, I had these dreams, at, went to school naked. So Leah, you're not alone Thank there. you. Uh, Judy says, poor Jason. He didn't have any comments on your dreams with a laughing, crying emoji. That's funny. That's really
3: funny. All right, so nineteen and twenty, uh, he says, "I." He says, "As many as I love, I rebuke." He, you know, he's loving these churches. Mm-hmm. He's not angry. He's like, hey, "Hey, this is all done in love." Right. He says, "As many as I love, I rebuke." He says, um, "And chasten, and be zealous, therefore, and repent, come back to me." You know, you would think that if if these churches were doing so bad, and you had the fornication, and you had the idolatry. And, and all these different things. You know, he even gave Jezebel space to repent. And you know what I find really sad about like, this? Well, I like, wouldn't. Can we put this in an actual marriage? You led Christians to go have sex and, and fornicate.
0: I ain't, I ain't giving you space to repent. In an actual marriage. But he did. Where the wife has committed all of these things that we're hearing here. Mm-hmm. And she wants to return to her husband, let's say. She wants to return to her husband. And then the husband's saying, come. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's huge, though. It's but huge. imagine the husband then saying that. It's huge. It's but huge. not out of desperation. God just loves us like, so much. Just because he loves us so
3: much. God just loves us so much. I want you guys just to, just to kind of sit on that for a second as we go on. Just, God loves me so much that even crazy Jezebel there, he asked, he said, I gave her space to repent. Mm. But then I'm killing her. But, like, he's still, he's like, I I love you. So uh, But Laodicea is not yet to be cast off by the lord harsh as his words are he still professes his love i love you guys i love you guys that in fact is the source of his anger but because i love you he declares i reprove you reprove you and discipline you a characteristic of those who are true sons of god all christians need reproof and correction at times and some more than others what is important is whether or not we heed that warning and we Mm -hmm. mend our ways as far as Laodicea, laodicea had fallen it can still be restored if it renews its obedience. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we feel that this, this message of love is like continual until like forever. But there is, like obviously Revelation is teaching us that there's a moment, there's a space of time to repent, right? Um, as far as the lay season and as fallen, you can still repent. Be zealous, therefore repent. At this point, Jesus speaks some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, in the entire Bible. Behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Listen, guys. If you hear me, and not anybody there. He's literally like, listen, I'll just read it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. I'm going to sit and eat with him and he with me. Pause. Yeah. So, Leah, Jason, marriage, separate alarm.
1: Yeah, you just stole my punchline. <laughs> right,
0: I've been sitting on that. Since Jason read it. This is a big sister, little sister moment. I cannot believe you just did
2: that. But she beat me to it. <laughs>
0: We're all sitting on it. I'm Jason take it then. Since no,
2: you you got it. No, I don't uh, you, got it.
0: All I'm going to say is people look at that scripture and they look at the marriage supper of the Lamb and the end of Revelation and they go, well, this must just be him sitting down and having a nice little snack. <laughs> he's, I'm going to come in with y'all. We're going to have some cheese crackers. A little snack, but the real marriage supper come later. No! He is coming in to have the marriage supper. This is the banqueting feast he is coming in on y'all. Sit down with, I mean, I want you to picture those king feasts with the big turkey leg and, like, the big goblets and stuff and, like, everything that you can possibly imagine. He's not coming in for cheese and crackers and rice cakes. Jason, go ahead.
2: (laughs) I got a whole new image. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Supper of the Lamb. (laughs) But literally you don't
0: vision it with the turkey leg. Well it says I... you will feast
3: on on your enemies, so that's not That's a
0: huge now we got a human leg. <laughs> okay, I ain't
1: eating
3: Bill Gates. <laughs> I ain't eating Hillary Clinton.
1: I got nothing to add that's right now. For
0: Jason. Jason can eat Clinton tonight. No, but you said Leah beat you to it. So you were clearly sitting on it too. We're all going like, wait a minute, guys. This is not what we've been taught to believe. That he just comes in and has an individual dinner with just us. This is a joint. Is this feast. date night with dad? Who said that? Is this date night with dad? Like oh, you take
1: that's your individual daughter it. out. Do you
0: do that with Lily?
2: Do I take Lily out? Date yeah. Night? Not as much as I really need to. We do make special times, but not as much as I. Need to or want to?
0: I should say. Well, that's what Leah was just making the joke. You I can saying, relate. She is really not just like, like, a like a date, date night with Jesus. No, you're going in and you're having the supper with everyone. You have joined into this. I, I, I feel that. I feel like Jason You have more to say on this, basically. Because I, I feel. I took what about crab time. legs and shellfish? Is okay now, right? haha says Sherry.
2: Well, we got to realize he was saying to those that ever come, you're going to get to do that. Come on. This is Jesus coming and like the marriage supper of the lamb. Corey did a post. That is something that we partake of today. They partake, partook of it when the temple fell. And it was like, there was this celebration that the old was done away with. And they were new and they were delivered from that. They literally were raptured out of Jerusalem. If you read it, they were raptured out of Jerusalem and they were set free and they feasted. And we are we we get a feast with them. I'm not waiting to feast with them. I have feasted with the Lord when I was born again at the marriage. Center. I am the bride. I'm not the bride to be. We are the bride. When we accept Jesus, we become the bride. We sit at that marriage supper, the feast when the marriage happens. I partook of that when I was born again. It's not something in the future. It is laid out that this was happening for them, and when we become born again, we get a feast. It's not a future thing for us. We are partaking in that, and we get the blessings of feasting with the Lord in front of our enemies. And so that's what we are called to today. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting for a future event. We feast now.
4: Yes. Yes. We're to
2: eat. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I. We are. You're saying we eat now. I think. Yeah. Y'all can call me crazy. I think that the marriage supper of the Lamb is Song of Solomon 2.4. He brought me into his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. Mm-hmm. This is a banqueting table that is continual. And and anyone that is outside that has not, Jesus has not come in and supped mm-hmm. with them. They're not there. But it's like, it's a feast that's always going on. It's an endless Feast, And mm. when you come to the saving knowledge of Christ and you open that door and you allow him to come into you and mm. eat and sup with you, this is a continual feast that is always going on. Am I wrong, Jason?
2: You, you want to go to Song of Solomon? It's funny. If you read it, in the beginning, the headers are the Sheolamite, the shepherd king. Then it changes to the Bridegroom bridegroom king. And to the Shirlemite bride. Mm. And you start reading it from verse four, and it tells you then may you awaken, breathe, blow your life, blow upon my life until I'm full of yours. Breathe until upon me with your spirit wind. Like it goes through this, and the crazy part you read this, and then it talks about how the bride will then go out and share the good news. And so, Reading Song of Solomon in the Passion Translation, this is something Serge like. You got to read it. So I I've read it so many times, but the funny thing is the headers of how it talks about the different speakers. And chapter three, it goes from the Shulamite to the Shulamite Bride. Song of Solomon is showing us the transition from the what wed- the Hey, I'm coming for you to I've came for you, and we today are the Bride, the Shulamite Bride. We are in. We are one with Christ. But, man, you read it in the passage translation. I know some people love or hate it. But in this, for Song of Solomon, Serge is like, you got to read it. And it literally opens up Song of Solomon um, and what you see in it. It's crazy. So that's an amazing showing of how we commune with him at the marriage supper. And that's us today.
0: I love it. And I want to just, as an aside to the Passion Translation or any translation, guys, Lee and I have no problem reading any translation. And here's why. Because you're here listening to us give commentary on scripture. I, that's how I view other translations of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a problem. Am I going to say this right here is the exact interpretation of the word of God? No, Mm -hmm. I think the best that come really close is the original King James or the Geneva Bible. However, that being said, or really you just need to go to the blue letter Bible and look at the original Greek and Hebrew if you want to get all nitpicky about it. But when we read these other translations, it will unlock something in our brain that was blocked. And so it is actually, I think, very important to read multiple translations. I have a parallel Bible right here that has the King James and then the Amplified right next to it. Being able to make comparisons. As a matter of fact, I would encourage many of you, if you get stuck on a scripture, to take several translations and read it in the different translations until the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what God is saying. I used to have
1: the biggest,
3: fattest Bible, and it was New American Standard, King James, NIV, and Living... And I used to read the entire, I read the entire Bible in all four translations. But I'm
0: really glad that you brought that up about Song of Solomon. And I'm glad I brought up Song of Solomon. Because that is really important for us to recognize when we are looking at these marriage suppers. Yeah. And this specific calling out to the Church of Laodicea.
3: I will sup with him. That's what the King James says. So, guys, I want to end with this. I want to end with kind of just focus on the word overcome so to him that overcomes, will grant to sit. Uh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. So we've seen you're gonna get the the rod of iron to crush your enemies like clay pots. Okay, you're gonna get a crown. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a new name. Yeah. You're gonna get a new garment. You're not gonna. The second death isn't gonna touch you. But all these things happen to those who overcome. So to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit on my throne even as I also overcame and am, and am set down with my father in his throne. He that isn't ear to hear, let him hear. And so that word uh, overcome is to conquer. It is to carry off the victory. It is to come off victorious. It is to be victorious over your, fo- over your foes. And it is uh, absolutely to carry off the victory. And I just want you guys to say, I am victorious. Mm. I am victorious I am victorious and you just I think that that word probably is better translated he that is victorious okay so don't be like the church don't be like the Balaamites the Nicolaitans don't be like the uh, Laodiceans lukewarm all right there's a there's a moment that we're at right now where we need to overcome and we are overcoming every single second of every single day right now. Wow. We're in the midst of an acceleration like we've never, like you guys, we've never been in. Okay. My whole life, I felt like we were going to get into this place and we're here right now. And we are fighting and we are going to win. We are going to win. Do you want to know why? Because we just read Revelation. And it never says that, that. It, it says that being victorious is up to us. It doesn't say it's up to Fauci. It doesn't say it's up to the World Economic Forum. Being victorious is up to us. He that is victorious. He that is victorious. You just have to say, I am victorious. And how, how Jason, how do people become victorious?
2: It's actually believing the word. For me, it comes down to simply... We believe what he wrote. Come on. We believe that if he says he conquered all powers principalities, we believe that. He says we overcome by the word of the lamb, or the,
1: the blood word of, of
2: our testimony, blood of lamb, word of testimony. That's what we do. He says if he says put on the armor of God because that protects us. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of truth. If we do the things he says and we walk in, and we believe that we're to have those, that's where it starts. It starts with believing the word and having the holy ghost that empowers us to live forth what the word says.
0: Yeah. Amen. And and that's what it boils down to and again I I will always consistently bring up my favorite scripture in the whole bible. He who would come to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so you have to believe him. How do we overcome? By believing. Mm-hmm. And so Jason, you knocked that one out of the park like 100%. I do want to read a couple of comments and a prayer, two prayer requests, I think, before we say goodbye, because um, they're both very important. Can I
2: read something before you do that? Oh, yeah, sure. So I just want to read the note on verse 321. Each of the seven churches is given a wonderful promise to the one who conquers or overcome or is victorious. The Greek verb tension, each of these seven instances is one who continually, repeatedly, and habitually conquers. The seven churches at the seven locations indicates that believers are at the stage in their growth as overcomers. Ephesus means desirable, deeply loved by the Lord. Smyrna means myrrh, the trials and troubles we all go through. Pergamon means elevated place, seasons of praise and favor. Thyatira means the incense of affliction, learning to praise and overcome hardship. Sardis means those who escape, breaking free from the past. Philadelphia means brother love, learning lessons of loving others. Lydosia means people's rights, surrendering our rights to him. This is the message we can focus on, the negative, but what we're saying, we are overcomers. Yeah. The kingdom message is empowering people to overcome like never before. We're eradicating pornography. We're eradicating yes. the dispensational, the end times rapture theory because we are to be victorious on this earth today, not later. And as we look at this, we are maturing to become overcomers, and continually overcoming.
3: Come on, We're continually overcoming. I continually love that. overcoming. So, I want to give you guys just a little snippet for you can take this with you. Revelation four one starts out by saying, um, "After this, I looked." And I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had previously heard speak to me like a trumpet saying, Come, Come up, up here, here. And I will show you the things that must happen after these things. And so this chapter four, we're not gonna go here, is like opening the door. Uh, Let me show you what's getting ready to happen. That word interesting hereafter or must must shortly happen is the word meta.
1: Hmm. Where do we
3: see meta? Facebook. The word "meta" actually can mean after or within, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to come up here because I'm going to show you these things that are that are within this time frame, within now, Ooh, and great. I think that that is a very key timestamp actually to let people know that revelation was happening then. So, what do we got for
0: prayer requests? Um, all right. So earlier, salty mama says, "Please pray for my daughter-in-law." Um, Four months pregnant with a boy, Clancy Ray. They've already named him. Uh, she has to go to a specialist. Her uterus is thin. They are not sure um, and could carry only 28 weeks. She is really stressed. Oh. Um, so we will definitely pray for your daughter-in-law and for Clancy Ray. It's the most adorable name ever. And Minkles came on and said that they just found out that they lost a friend to a suspected suicide, a young person. Mm. Hmm. So um that's really, really, really sad. So I want to pray for for Minkles and for Salty Mama's uh daughter-in-law and Clancy Ray.
3: All right. Well, we can go around in prayer. Do you have anything else that you want to say, Jason,
0: before
2: we pray? I do not. All
0: right. All right, dearly father, we come before you. We lift up little Clancy Ray in the womb. Father God, right now we are seeing the radical left that would want to attack um a child of that age and pull it out of the womb but you care about every life from the moment of conception until death and i just thank you father god that through the life of clancy ray uh this child will be anointed and protected and called to bring the gospel to the nations i just pray that you um give his mom peace Mm. And you give the family peace and his, yes. and his dad peace, that he's going to be okay, that you're going to protect him. You're going to strengthen the lining of this uterus, um, that the doctors will just miraculously go, I don't know what happened. I don't know if we misread it before or um, what you've been doing, but it's it's completely fine. There's nothing wrong. So I just pray that you um, give everybody peace in this situation and that you bring healing to this womb in the name of Jesus right now, that you send your Holy Spirit covering inside of her body and that she feel a fire in her belly. And just like Hannah, how she dedicated her child to you, Father God, that um, Clancy Ray's mom will dedicate him to you, Lord God. And I just thank you for all these things ahead of time. And I just looked up mingles and um, this person, Father God, I just, um, I know that you answer prayers after the fact. Mm -hmm. So Lord God, I pray that this person knew you and uh, you know we'll pray ahead of time so you can answer these prayers. You already answered them. So I just pray that this person knew you and came to a knowledge of you and I just rebuke the devourer that would try to steal life from this earth and I just pray that you give peace to this family and you show them without a doubt that, um, this person is with you, Lord God. I don't even know how that is possible, but we're going to pray it and we're going to ask it anyway. And we plead a hedge of protection over the rest of the family. Cause when someone takes their own life, there's a demonic force. So one thing that we can do is step in and rebuke the, the devil from trying to attack this family. And we cast out these demonic forces that, um, have been let in and we close the doors and we say, you shall not pass. Mm. And we just um, pray that you give minkles, the words to pray out the gift of the Holy spirit and praying in, other languages and tongues that uh, they will be able to stand in the gap for this family and for this friend and for what has happened. And I just lift up anybody else out there that may have a family member or a loved one or a friend that's on the brink. And we just uh, ask you, Father God, that if they are a family member of someone that's viewing this right now, that you go in and you send an angel to speak to them and to tell them that their life is valuable and that you have a call in their life and that you want them to come to the saving knowledge of you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
3: God, I just thank you so much for everybody listening. I do pray for this baby that... Um that they are born healthy and happy and that the mom is at peace, the family is at peace and I lift up the family of this uh, suspected suicide and I I just pray your head your protection that your peace will go and comfort them and anybody else who is struggling right now financially emotionally, physically right now um, I just pray that you uh, bring healing into their home, I pray I thank you Father God that those commissions that you sent out today, um, this evening for those who are starting their own churches will go forward yes, and I just thank pray you, that Jesus. everybody who's watching this back or watching this life will be an overcomer you will be like the church of philadelphia god is coming you guys he is judging those who have been persecuting you i want you to hang tough i want you to hang tight i want you to overcome and i want you to be victorious right now in jesus name father god we just repent of being lukewarm yes, we repent wow. of any way that we've had idolatry in our lives or in our nation and i just pray father god that we would be the church that you would come and say hey let's work together let's reign together and i just thank you for your promises i thank you that we can put on that garment i thank you for the crowns i thank you for uh, the stone with our name written on it i thank you that we get to be part of the new jerusalem i thank you that we get to eat with you and we get to dine with you and lord god may we never turn our back on you may we continue to press sin and be led by your holy spirit fill us and equip us to be the church that you called us to be equip us to to push out any sort of uh, a false teaching that would lead us into sin. Yes, wow. Help us to close the door. I thank you that you've given us the keys. I thank you that you're going to open doors, no one can <clears> shut. <throat> you're going to shut doors, no one can open. I thank you that we have the keys to the kingdom. I think that we have the keys to go into the heavenly Jerusalem right now, and we can rule and reign with you. So we just pray for our nation and for our our people who are listening from all around the world that you would bring and reign here on earth, so that people can love you and so that children can be healed and set free. So we ask you, Father God, and we just ask you that you would use us right now and that we would be overcomers. And I thank you for this letter. It's so beautiful. I thank you for the letters to these churches. I thank you for revealing yourself to yes, us in the book of Revelation Jesus. for the revealing of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, that you would reveal yourself, the book of Revelation to the world, yes, and you would Lord, open people's eyes, their minds to the fact that they can reign and rule with you now, that they can dine with you now, that they can wear their white garments now, right yes, now, today. Wow. And I pray, Father God, that if those churches and those churches out there that they would turn and repent. Repent, you guys, he's coming. We say to the church of Laodicea, repent. We say to Sardis that whatever, Father God, these churches are doing to our brothers and sisters right now who are on the brink of being destroyed by you, repent, yes, repent. Right. repent, repent, repent. He has an hour of mercy for you right now. We call you forth, our brothers yes, and sisters. God Jesus loves so you, good. but he is going to have to come he and punish you. So we ask you to pull out of the LGBT nonsense. We ask you to pull out of the DEI. We asked you to pull out a board of baby, boarding babies. We asked you to pull, pull out right now of that fake monetary system, you guys. Laodiceans with the monetary system, those are the people that are part of the banking system right now. That is a word from God. You have to repent of being in that banking system thinking that you're rich. You are not rich. Wow. Come, I counseled you to buy gold and silver, things that, of God that come true and righteous. And I know that he says buy gold of me, but that's what he means. Things that don't rust. So I just there's a word right now the laodicean church is the church of bankers the church of businessmen do you think that you're secure in your businesses right now you are not secure your businesses are going to fail come into his kingdom repent and find true wealth in him in jesus name there is so much more to this word guys and i'm going to pray on this i want you guys to pray on this word the laodicean church Mm. The Laodicean church, the wealthy church. Wow. The wealthy church relying on money right now is about to be judged. There is a judgment coming. This is a prophetic word. There is a judgment coming on the rich. Those who say, God, I don't need you. We got plenty of tithe money coming in. We got plenty of money coming in. We're fine. You guys are not fine. Those bank accounts are going to dry up. That mm. You guys are going to need him. And I'm going to tell you, you have a space to repent, to rely on him. And have your, guys, if you rely on him and you do, are not like the Laodicean church, he will provide for you. You're going to be okay. Don't worry about economic collapse. This letter is, is a proof positive that you don't need this world's goods to be taken care of by God. Amen. He says, That's come right. and uh, come and buy things from me. Wow. Come and buy things from me. And dear church. Dear Church, you 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 business-minded Church. Uh, church is just like a business. You're the laodicean Church. Oh
1: oh oh oh.
3: You're the laodicean <laughs> Church, and I got to tell you, there's a there's a lot of you out there. Mm. You have made Church a business, identity a thieves. And you are the laodicean Church. You're you're good. You're you're the money thieves. You are you. I'm I'm telling you, right now, I want you guys to be praying for your friends and family. Because he's going to spew these churches
0: out of his mouth. So the other half of that word is there's a reason why many of you have left these churches. Oh. Because judgment is coming on the churches. And God has protected yes. you. The way that he told the people to flee yes. to the hills. And they did. Yes. God is protecting you. Yes. So if you are not in one of these churches right now. Yes. There is safety for you.
3: Yes. And it's okay if you don't have one. If you're not part of one of these churches and Jezebel's your pastor, it's okay to leave. And if you can't find one, you, this is okay. That's the word from God. Um, There is much there is much about this and I'm going to be praying into this because God is laying a heavy burden right now on on me to explain the latency in churches, which is um, the wealthiness, the monetary system, all these big businesses who think that they're they're running with their on schedule with their trucks and their machinery and all these different things. He's going to spew you out, guys. You have a, but you have a space to repent because he loves you. Because he knows there are a lot of really good businessmen, Michelle, who are Christians. But you're lukewarm,
1: Mm-mm.
3: and he's going to spew you out of his mouth. He wants you to be hot or cold, guys. But the lukewarmness of the church of today—who've made all of these—you have mixed, your mixed life so with the world. much with the world that you can't yeah. even. You're not even recognized as different. That's right. You come out m- from amongst them and be ye separate. In Jesus' name.
2: Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word that uh, you just delivered. We thank you for just health for the mom and the little child. Mm
1: -hmm. Lord, that
2: you come to bring life and life abundantly. Lord, we thank you for peace for the mom as she's preparing for more tests. Lord, that the test will come back, that you are a good God. Amen. That they stand in faith and know that you will provide. And we just pray for the family that just lost a member that they have supernatural peace Amen. that surpasses all in our understanding that. The family with well, these people, the one that just posted on here that she will be a witness mm. in this, in this time of need. Lord, we thank you that you are with us when we're mourning or we are with us when we're joyful. We thank you that these situations are just an opportunity for us to be, for you to be faithful and for us to overcome, Lord, we thank you that the word about Laodicea has just started. That we will continue to pray out and see what that word is. Because the Laodicea church was lukewarm. They were they were comfortable in the conveniences of the world. Yes. But they were not comfortable in who you called them to be. Yeah. They weren't comfortable in being made an image and likeness, God. They always wanted to add more. Lord, we thank mm. you that we will be burned with passion for you, Lord, that we will bring living water to all those that need it, Lord, that we will not be lukewarm, we will not be, we will not be like the world. You have called us to not be like the world, but to be kingdom ambassadors. Mm. So, Lord, we thank you for repenting for areas that we have been quiet, where we should have spoke, Mm. repenting for areas where we've participated in sin, just by our silence, Lord, we thank you that you are giving us a voice in this time, this time to say, repent, repent, turn from your wicked ways so that the judgment will be stayed, Lord, we thank you that you are a good and faithful God and a just God, and for all those that repent, they will not see, they will be like each one of these churches that those that overcome in this church, they did not see the penalties that came upon the whole church. Lord, we thank you for removing people from churches that will not repent, Mm -hmm. that they will be counted among the remnant. They will be counted among the body of Christ, not associated with just a worldly church structure, but they were counted with the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing a shifting within the body, within that church structure. You are breaking things that are not of you. You are wanting to purify the church. With the refining fire and we say come holy spirit burn up anything in us that is not of you
1: yes
2: burn up anything that is not of you in the church in the business model of church burn it up we want more of you more of you lord we thank you that this is a time that we get to say lord bring your fire bring your judgment and search us lord Remove any plank in our eyes before we look at the speck into others so that we are can be a holy, righteous people that we can stand as you bring your judgment. Lord, we thank you for this time of repentance. We thank you that you have given us grace and mercy in this time so that we can call others to repentance, so that we can walk out as the multitudes of those who repented and are overcoming through the blood of the Lamb and a word of our testimony. We thank you in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 That's so, so good. right.
0: Everybody is amenning. Patriot Gallery says sexual perversion compromises everything, by especially the government, because they can be blackmailed. Evil men break down society to weaken society morally to control and overthrow the government and the people's rights to self-government. All
3: right, so we we may be here next Wednesday. Hopefully we will, but we are going to be in Columbus because Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has a medical license review. So we're going to go and cover that and pray for her. So please pray for Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. But
0: regardless of whether we are here for Revelation it, Red the, Pill. The,
3: the guys will be here. Somebody will be somebody here. Somebody will be here somebody doing you be here so please be here Corey says he's on
0: he's on he's he's there on standby so, um, I think and maybe Jason no will what. agree to come next week because Corey doesn't go for three hours. Yeah. Jason, thank you for staying the whole time. It means a little, thank your whole family for us for giving up, uh, the time here. James says, thanks again, Leah, Michelle and Jason and PG for another good dose of true knowledge, which is a gift straight from the heart of God. May God always bless you all and yours. You guys, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth. And if you miss this week's kingdom round table, you can watch it on our rumble channel. Or yeah. You can watch it on the kingdom round tables channel. So good. But I'm telling you that Serge and Corey and Jason and Rob knocked another one out of the park about morality. And I'm telling you that that is the number one thing that the church must get back to. And like Corey said, it's sexual perversion is at the top of the list right now for what we need to work on. And so we're going to keep going down that route and, uh, and kick it, kick the devil in the teeth and kick this stuff out of the church.
3: All right, guys, we love you. All right.
0: God bless. We'll see you next time.
1: Was cold all alone No place for home every day, so afraid But you call my name, turn my eyes to the lies No truth inside on the run from the sun